Blog Talk Radio. pregnant in jail, I thought I was going to have a baby and the baby would never be with me, but I was acquitted a month and three days before Tupac was born. I was real happy because I had a son. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the street. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Spending from school, scared to go home. I was the fool with the big boys breaking all the rules. Set tears with my baby sister Over the years we was poor than us A little kid And even though we had different daddies The same drama when things went wrong We blamed mama I reminisce on the stress I caused It was hell Hugging on my mama from a jail cell And who's thinking elementary Hey, I see the penitentiary One day Running from the police That's right Mama catch me put a whoop into my backside and even as a crack fiend, mama, you always was a black queen, mama. I finally understand for a woman it ain't easy trying to raise a man. You always was committed, a poor single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did it, there's no way I can pay you back. But the plan is to show you that I understand. You all appreciate it. Tell us it was fair No love for my daddy Cause the coward wasn't there He passed away and I didn't cry Cause my anger wouldn't let me feel for a stranger They say I'm wrong and I'm heartless But all along I was looking for a father He was gone I hung around with the thugs And even though they sold drugs They showed a young brother love I moved out and started really hanging I needed money of my own So I started slanging I ain't guilty cause even though I sell rocks It feels good putting money in your mailbox I love paying rent when the rent's due I hope you got the diamond necklace that I sent to you Cause when I was slow, you was there for me You never left me alone because you cared for me And I can see you coming home after work late You're in the kitchen trying to fix us a hot plate just working with the scraps you was giving And mama made miracles every Thanksgiving But now the road got rough, you're alone Trying to raise two bad kids on your own And there's no way I can pay you back But my plan is to show you that I understand You all appreciate it And dear mama You all 
like to welcome you to Africa on the Move. On May the 14th, 2023, we would like to wish all the mothers, mothers of the world, happy Mother's Day. This program is dedicated to all the mothers and grandmothers on this special day. Our theme is Mother Day. It's myth and reality. Mother Day is myth and reality. We invite you to come in and join us as we discuss this critical um, day as we want to see to get a better understanding so we can make it reflect what we want it to be and not what other people have created for their own self-interest to, again, to exploit our mothers. So on that note, that's the context in which we will participate on this program tonight. As you will notice throughout the program, we have selected some certain songs that reflect the love and appreciation for mother. But at this point in time, I'm Brother Africa, your host, and my political panelist, analyst with me, as well as the guests. They're going to be in the seat, and they're going to take the heat. As they decide it, they're going to stand behind it. What we would like to do also to recognize the significance of this day when it comes to our people's history and struggle is that on this day, in 1792, slavery is abolished in Denmark. At least that's what they said. We know better. And also on this day, in 1787, first Africans leave England to return home to Africa to establish settlement and so on. Those are two dates that shows our continued struggle for our freedom and liberation and something that we must not forget, the struggle continues. So at this point in time, like always, you know Africa on the move, the way we just started with our party, we're going to introduce you to our political panelist analysts, followed by a special update on Mumia, which we're going to bring in our brother, Razo Khan, going to give us a perspective on the update and following his presentation, we will go into our theme for the night, which is Mother's Day. It's myth and reality. So that's our lineup for the day. So let's get started with our party by bringing in our first political panelist and analyst, Brother Haki, who is a member of the African Awareness Association. 
Welcome, Brother Haki, to Africa on the Move. <clears throat> Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haki Tamati Mashoki. Currently, I'm with African Awareness. Of course, Brother Africa, you know my thing is all about institution building. But certainly, prior to institution building, one of the things we have to discuss is the role of socialization. Uh, socialization is a very uh, uh, subtle kind of process. Nonetheless, it has a major impact on the way we think, the way we perceive things. And as such, without institutions in the community to provide a way of thinking, some clarity in terms of where we see things, then uh, the odds in terms of navigating this insanity becomes as much more difficult. But in the event, Brother Africa, I want you to check this out. Socialization is defined as internalizing values and norms or the ideology of a society. Socialization or social conditioning embraces behaviors learned and education instruction to promote what is referred to as culture. In the U.S., the propensity to promote destruction and violence is deeply ingrained in U.S. institutions. Many attribute this behavior to the evolution of capitalism, and on some level, that's true. However, capitalism exists throughout the Western world, and the ability of some Western states to modulate the destructive features of capitalism are mitigated by laws and bureaucracy that blunts capitalism's destructiveness. In the U.S., a different cultural philosophy prevails where the worst of human impulses and traditions are embraced. This process of glorifying death and destruction is not only embedded in U.S. constitutions, but it is openly advocated by U.S. political leaders who crave even more destruction. Ironically, the scope of destruction is not merely relegated to life, the planet, but the very thing capitalists prize so much, namely making money. By investing in continual war, ecological destruction ensues, but with that, the diminished opportunity for business activity. Using Somalia as an example, since 2007, the U.S. has spent over $2.5 billion committed 500 U.S. troops with little benefit. Pentagon reports stated between the years 2021 and 2022, Al-Shabaab fighters have grown 23%. The avenue is money used to finance the war in Somalia exceeds Somalia's annual GDP. If the money for war had been used for investments in Somalia, not only would it have prevented war, but the opportunity to make profits for capitalists would have been insured. The strange irony here is that capitalism values profits above all other concerns. But in the case of war, Somalia specifically, it is willing to sacrifice its interest in profiteering to finance war leading to more death, both on the Somali side and U.S. troops, leading to declining in profits. Why would the propensity for violence be so strong? Self-interest would be sacrificed by U.S. and the short and long-term interests of society ignored. This raises the specter of an insanity few can reconcile. In the U.S., many take this self-imposed insanity as commonplace. Even when this political insanity treats its citizens diversely different based upon their level of wealth, the, in, the inhumanity directed toward the citizens is embraced by many, and so human rights do not apply to their lives. Perhaps socialization is a bigger factor than many are willing to acknowledge. Now, socialization's act, ability to rationalize the insane should not be dismissed. Its ability to condition people to, to elevate uh, nationality over their own humanity inadvertently justified the existence of inequality. When political leaders oversee systems of oppression inflicting pain on the people, and the people's response is to validate that pain being inflicted on them, leaders can only conclude the pain inflicted is not so bad. Socialization processes contributing to the with compliance of the masses accepting this pain is never acknowledged, and inflation, excuse me, an infliction of pain endures. Historically, examples proliferate of 
aiding to one, aiding in one's own suffering. In the 1870s, Harlem Rebels, first African center in the U.S., uh, representing Mississippi, advocated for universal amnesty for former Confederates, requiring only they pledge loyalty to the Union. More intent of this proclamation aside, at the time of this statement, Southern leadership were conspiring to return South to the past with its re-enslavement of Africans. Socialization that suggests Africans' redemption lies in working within an oppressive political system did not end with rebels. Today, similar beliefs manifest among African sycophants or opportunists who employ historical amnesia to carry out favor with the, with the powerful for individual gain. A couple of examples immediately come to mind. First, Tim Scott, Republican South Carolina, South Carolina and Enrique Torrio, the former Proud Boy mascot. Now, Tim Scott, the consummate race officer, alleges his campaign is never about race. Ironically, he concocted a false story about his great-granddad, wealth by inflating an anchorage of land owned. He next exaggerated the level of poverty endured as a child, but failed to reveal the level of poverty pales in comparison to most Africans in South Carolina at that time. Scott, woefully aware of race, cleverly played on the socialization of white America that desperately wants to believe social conditions plays no part in achieving economic success in America. In order for Scott to fabricate his history, he realized playing to U.S. stereotypes is an important component in achieving power as a black senator in South Carolina. His refusal to join the Congressional Black Caucus has less to do with ideology as his desire to, to convince white America that America is exceptional <clears throat> as means to maintain power for himself, even if his proclamation essentially justify oppression of African people. Secondly, Enrique Torrio, Torrio the African Cuban who provides cover for Western chauvinists who respect only all things Western. Torrio's refusal to acknowledge the disproportionate incarceration rate of dark-skinned Cubans in Florida arriving on the Cuban boat for Tiller and CIA expenditures of $3 billion to light-skinned Cubans along with banks have evaded Torrio's consciousness. Apparently, in order to, to escape the perceived lowly status of dark-skinned Cubans, he has allowed himself a white supremacist to elevate his visibility and in the process elevate his perceived status. Torrio's actions are understood in the context of socialization impact defining Africans as lacking in, in every endeavor of life. Obviously, the pain of feeling insignificant can drive individuals to undertake behaviors and or values that are counterproductive to the individual, such as the power of socialization. Now, socialization ability to augment maladaptive behaviors in people exists across class lines. Such behaviors complicates the ability of individuals to adjust values and or behaviors that are counterproductive. Normally associated with poor people, maladaptive behaviors are the most powerful among, among the powerful have, have, great, have greater implications for society. The biggest impediment of social, socialization among the wealthy is blindness associated with the sustainability of political structures and the policies that emanate from them. Increasingly, this blindness is being extended to Republican women politicians who compete with males for the honor of who can be the most brutal or the most ruthless. For example, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican out of Georgia, epitomizes this insensitivity and blindness in the starkest terms. Greene recently stated the mass shooting in Texas by an alleged white nationalist who of Hispanic origin was a result of drugs and evil forces. Greene analysis conveys an interesting dichotomy in that uh, social cuts to poor women and children, tax cuts for the wealthy, or investment in greenhouse gases are never influenced by evil forces, but the marketplace which is benevolent or good. Invoking evil spirits can only make sense in the context of biblical teachings that instructs humans are incapable of changing their political reality. If evil forces lies behind the death and destruction of the 
the young assassin, this makes little sense to evaluate society's institutions and their impact on society. It's easy to conclude government policy play no part in facilitating death and destruction. It's much easier to blame others. In hindsight, this is exactly the position taken by most U.S. politicians who, who approve and endorse military budgets three times expenditures of all other countries' military budgets. Should, now, should I conclude this zest for death and destruction is a function of evil, evil forces? Well, maybe not in the grand scale. Or, or should I include this as a result of socialization? Since most U.S. citizens embrace destruction, I would argue uh, socialization lies behind the ease with, with which destruction manifests as an expression of the American way, where excelling in destruction is both desirable and admirable. And Brother Africa, I'll close with that. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next, we would like to welcome Brother Anthony, who is a member of the All African Peoples the Revolutionary Party, GC. Welcome to Africa on the Move, Brother Anthony. Thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, our special guests, and the uh, 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 listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. And following Brother Anthony, we'll bring in Brother Moses, who is also a member of the D.C. Coalition in Solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. Brother Moses, welcome to Africa on the Moon. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses. I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I bear witness that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, yes. And the struggle continues to be to unite the many, to defeat the few, the the correct line, the correct position on each issue must be hammered out with the interests of the working class in mind, and uh, the long-term objectives must be not subordinated to opportunists and short-term interests. This is the struggle, and thank you for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you, Brother Moses. Father Brother Moses, we have with our sister Eleanor. Happy Mother Day and welcome to Africa on the Move, Sister Eleanor. She's also a member of the DC Metro Cuban Cuban Metro Coalition in solidarity with the Cuban Revolution. Sister Eleanor, welcome. Thank you and good evening, Brother Africa, to my fellow analysts, our guests this evening, and to our listeners in the United States and abroad. My name is Eleanor Johnson. I'm an environmentalist, uh, human rights advocate, artist, and educator. And it is my privilege to be on this evening's show 
on this uh, very special day, Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor, Father and Sister Eleanor. We bring in our brother, Subukwe, uh, who is a representative of SLAIN, and he also will introduce his other political party he worked with. We'd like to welcome him to Africa Remove. Welcome, Brother Subukwe. Greetings, greetings, uh, Brother Africa, and greetings to the, fan, to the uh, I'm sorry, fellow panelists um, on the show. Um, happy Mother's Day to all of the sisters. Um, and women and mamas, mothers out there, grandmothers and aunts. Um, again, my name is Brother Maurice. I am a supporter of the All African People Revolutionary Party DC, AAPRPDC. I'm a supporter of African on the Move, and uh, I'm a member, as Brother Africa said, member of Slang Struggling, Living and Never Giving Up, and a member, also a member of PRSP. Pan-African Revolutionary Socialist Party, but overall, I'm a worker of the people. Thank you for having me here again tonight. Thank you, Brother Maurice, and what we're going to do right now to our listening audience, we have a special guest with us. His name is Brother Raza Khan, Brother Raza Khan Wali. He's part of the Free Mumia Movement. He will give us an update on what's going on with Mumio, and we have some time left. We may have a few questions. So, Brother Raza Khan, we'd like to welcome you to Africa on the Moon. And, of course, when we talk about Mother Day, I mean, at Hot Leaves, when we look at Brother Mumio and his family, I know what they are going through because how he has been tortured for all the years, we must find a way to create conditions where our people would not continue to suffer like this. So, my brother, we welcome you. Give us an update and share whatever you think is important for the listening world I need to know about. The mic is yours. First, introduce yourself. Okay. Thank you, family, and thanks for the in- invite. I'm with Nation Time. You just researched, and for those who might recognize the name and wonder where it came from, it came from Eowoa uh, and Herman Ferguson, who are uh, uh, founding members of the uh, Republic of New Africa. And uh, what we do is uh, uh, our mission in the nation time is reverse the unjust, illegal, discriminatory way America apartheid judicial system is applied. And we seek uh, exoneration and the restoration to society of persons who have been wrongly convicted. We will pursue the arrest and conviction and or punishment of judges, prosecutors, and police who knowingly hide, lie, falsify, or manufacture evidence, false evidence, which results in an innocent person going to jail, especially those who sent to death row. We have a mailing list of about 400, and we've got, got about maybe uh, 25 paralegals in uh, uh, states, and we have about five paralegals and federal institutions, and we intend to have at least a certified paralegal in every institution in the state, each one teach one, so we can have some kind of way of getting our people out of these institutions. And when you think, when I think of Mother's Day, I have to think of my, my mother and my aunts, because without them, I wouldn't have this love for uh, humanity, uh, you know what I mean, that they instilled in me, uh, you know what I mean? 
and which is uh, and truly important. But the reason why I stay with uh, the institute, I spent 28 years in the institution myself. And coming through there, uh, the madness that goes on within the institutions, they're still our people. They're still our brothers, our sons, our cousins, or whatever the case may be. And they had a, a, a Dr. Richard Lamb, uh, professor of psychology from uh, uh, USC, and he was telling individuals, warning them, because they have a new thing in the institution they call medication management. Whenever they're having a problem out of, institute, out of person, they uh, hype him up with some kind of a, a, a psychotic medication to make sure that they uh, 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 abide by whatever they want them to abide by. And he's warning us that these, we got 300,000 ticking time bombs walking among us when they get out of uh, these institutions if we don't constantly stay connected, excuse me, if we don't constantly stay connected with them and uh, protect them, help them, marshal the facts for them, and help them come out of there with some type of uh, uh, sane intelligence. Uh, you know what I mean? And the, and the, and the one thing that they did say, uh, they had post-traumatic stress disorder, where they, the traumatic organi- organizing both prior to and during incarceration because they keep suffering from cognitive impairment and it keeps coming back to them, fulfilling the, you know, uh, puts different types of uh, outbursts and uh, uh, particular moves where they can label them as some kind of a, a, a nutcase. And they're making them like that. And what we try to do is stay in touch with as many people as we can to prevent that type of madness coming back at us. Because they are warriors. They're still warriors. Who was it to say when the when the prison gates open, the dragons come on? That still counts, even with them. And if uh, uh, dealing with Mumia, you want me to get into that now? Yes, this is your time oh. now. Share your what's going on with me with that audience. Okay, because uh, uh, Mumia is physically. He he's not in the best of shape, you know what I mean. And to my uh, uh, analysis, you know what I mean, because we all do uh, pre-legal uh, investigative work, whatever the case may be. And we feel like I feel like his worst problem is his lawyers not fighting for him. They don't understand the importance of an individual like him, just like they don't understand the importance of an individual like Iman Jamil Alamine. They look at them or uh, 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 Matula Shakur. Here's people throughout all the institutions they come to, they teach people. Uh, we got individuals that Matula done sent home that's running food uh, banks around the city, taking care of people. Uh, and, and with uh, Jamil Alamine, they had a brother in Detroit that was so magnificent. He had 35 young organizations, youth organizations in 35 cities across the state, and the government came in and executed him. That's how afraid they are of him. And Mumi, look at him for, for an example. Here's an individual. Uh, they had, uh, the, the president of the United States had uh, appointed a, a, a civil rights chief, Debo Abdul-Delhi. 
But now in order for them to get rid of Devil Abdul Delhi, because he wouldn't allow uh, the Republican racists to change the voting laws. Uh, you know, so they came up with a, a case against him, Shelby County versus Holder, to get rid of him. And once they won that case, they changed all the voting laws in Alabama, Mississippi, all, in all those racist states that he was holding back. But the reason, the only way they could do that is to use Mumia to say that this guy had helped represent Mumia years ago. And that was an excuse for them to uh, uh, remove this powerful black man from his post. And once they once they got got him out of there, they closed 160, I mean 1,688 polling places in minority areas and black areas. That's how powerful this individual would be. And his lawyers act like they represent a, a common criminal. We got to call it how we see it. You know what I'm saying? And if uh, uh, and then in order to take Mumia down, they had to have, get senators, presidents. You know what I mean? Because the senator that that that, that orchestrated his demise was Chris Coons out of Delaware. He is uh, 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 that's where Joe Biden come from. Joe Biden's number one man gets together with a, a, a senator to remove a civil rights chief that was stopping the people from stopping us from voting. We got to wake up. If anything else, uh, if anybody got any questions, just ask me. Uh, you know what I mean? Because that, that's where we are right now. Okay, my brother. Anything else you want to share? We have time. So what we're going to do right now is go to our panelists and we'll give them a chance to raise any question or make any comment as it relates to the meal situation. We start off with Brother Haki. We'll come to you first. Any questions or comments for our brother? Uh, two quick questions. Yeah, I have two quick questions for the brother. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed his, his commentary. Uh, the first question is just to, my, to my brother. Uh, you know, one of the problems that when we talk about in terms of recidivism among, you know, uh, you know, inmates, there's a considerable amount of money being generated as a result of people in and out of prisons. What is your view in terms of um, the state's motivation in terms of creating conditions that almost ensure that these guys will return to prison? Well, generally, that's what they do. There's nothing for them. You know what I mean? They don't cut out all the programs that you used to have in institutions. You know what I mean? When I first came through, well, I went through the federal system. I went through a few state systems. But they had a program like blueprint writing. You know, stuff like electrical uh, 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 engineering. You know what I mean? Individuals can get in and do certain things. And then they just had every, uh, 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 everyday things like uh, carpenters and builders and uh, uh, mechanics and stuff like that. They don't teach those type of uh, skills no more. You go in there, stay 10, 15 years, whatever the case may be, and you come out worse than you were because you have nothing. Your family done scrape all they could do to take care of you while you was in there, and they have very little to help you with. And when you come home, they give you nothing. So they, they make sure that this uh, uh, continues because they give nothing to do nothing with. Okay, my second question, brother. Uh, you know, um, one of the things, there's a, a tremendous amount of fear in society. Uh, often, you know, people are reticent or afraid 
to actually talk about the um, the functioning of the government, are the free that they're being spied on, and so forth and so on. But one of the things I think is, I find very, very interesting is that, you know, when we talk about this fear factor, it also extends to lawyers. I've, I've talked to numerous lawyers who won't take certain cases, particularly as it relates to, you know, uh, politics. So my question to you, my brother, is if, in fact, if the lawyers are scared of the system, then what hope is that for the masses of people in terms of their fight against such a brutal and uh, horrific system? Well, to be honest with you, I firmly, I heard your brother say uh, his religious beliefs uh, is Jesus. You know, I'm a Muslim. I say my religious uh, God is Allah, but I don't say that out. When I mention God, I say the creator. Whoever you feel as though your creator is, come to Allah. That's it. I think that if you're a righteous individual, your creator opens doors for you if you're not afraid to take them. Uh, you know what I'm saying? If you got a, 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 a attorney general that you got to go against, lawyers don't want to do that. You know what I mean? It was a brother, uh, Baranzo Bell. Uh, 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 they kept him. Uh, he did his 30 years, and they didn't want to let him go. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? His lawyers filed twice, and the judges twice released him. They had to go to Albert Gonzalez, an attorney general that was Bush-appointed uh, attorney general. This guy was on his way to jail, and the lawyers did not file to bring him in the court for the illegal activities that he's involved in to keep uh, Veronica Bowser in jail. Because what he did was, although the judge told them they had to go back to the parole hearing and they had to give him a, a, a fair hearing, uh, uh, Albert Gonzalez contacted the, uh, the parole board to make it one of them change their vote, which is illegal. You know what I'm saying? That's not hindsight. Uh, that's the code of federal regulations. That is the law. We got them, and nobody is, uh, we deal with constitutional law. And our belief is nobody is above the law. And they don't, uh, they, uh, you know, we allow them to get away with uh, 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 administering the law when they want to. Or if they're friends, uh, they don't want them in jail, they don't let them go. We can stop that. I mean, that's what we try to do anyway. All right, thank you, brother. Oh, you're welcome. Next, we'll go to Brother Anthony. Any question or comment? Brother Anthony. Yes. Um, you mentioned uh, uh, earlier that uh, that Mamiya is not getting an adequate defense. Uh, what is being done to address that issue and uh, – and is this uh, and uh, and is this been an ongoing problem, or is it a more recent, or or does it uh, or the the or is there an ebb and flow in that process, and depending upon who's uh, the uh, uh, in charge of his legal defense? Now I know that uh, friends of uh, Mumia Abu Jamal, uh, they're raising funds. I think they're raising funds for his legal defense and whatever. And how how is that working so far? Thank you, Brian. Brother Rajabella, can you start back from the beginning? We have some technical issues with you speaking. Oh, oh okay. okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Oh, oh okay. No, what happened was uh, there was a lawyer named uh, Brian. 
it seems I mean to me I, I, you know like I'm a, I'm just a certified paralegal, and we have gotten quite a few people out of jail. And uh, when you go to court, if you don't ask, you don't get. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? You got to uh, uh, tell them what you want and tell them why uh, they have no choice but to give it to you. Uh, Mumia, uh, they had a bastion issue where Philadelphia had uh, a discriminatory uh, jury system and how they uh, orchestrated and how they applied it to his uh, case. You know what I'm saying? And he, and they gave him a hearing on that. And this is a lawyer named Brian. He was supposed to handle that. And and once the judge asked him, where is your statistical analysis of how they do business here as far as what the jury is concerned? He said to the judge, I'm sorry, Your Honor, I, didn't, I don't have one. I'm a, a, a dollar short on the day late. I mean, how could that be possible when that was the only reason he was there? Uh, you dig what I'm saying? To me, that's purposely done. I mean, ain't no uh, no rookie can make no mistake like that. When you go into a challenge, something you have to have the evidence to show the courts. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, 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 here's how they discriminate against uh, uh, minorities. Here, here's how they do this. They took one minority. Uh, uh, you know, uh, they they well, they might have uh, 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 dismissed. 15 people and put uh, two white folks in, 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 in place of him for no particular reason. You know what I'm saying? All that is in the paperwork. That's the statistical analysis. Well, how could the lawyer not have that when he go to court? To me, that was perfectly done. And Moomin lost that particular shit. And he could have got out. Although he fired that lawyer. Uh, it was so much of a protest behind it, but then he got to go through the uh, 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 this uh, I mean, he's been in, uh, I mean, he ain't got the, so much time left to be uh, in there. He done lost his wife. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Be, uh, because uh, uh, these uh, uh, tactics they've been using. Did that answer your question or Yes, it does. Thank you. Okay. Anything else, Brother Anthony? Uh, no, uh, that said, it, it seems uh, as if, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Mumia's case is, sim- is somewhat similar to Julian Assange. Uh, you know, yes, they uh, seem to be uh, uh, be uh, against uh, you know the, the the system seems to work 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 against journalists that criticize capitalism uh, in any form, and uh, you know, and uh, that and uh, and it, this is analogous because Mumia was one of the few journalists I think that reported upon uh, accurately on the move situation. That's right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and uh, it seems like he's being persecuted partly for his political beliefs. And a lot of people don't want to hear this and don't like me saying it. But when they when they took uh, Debo Abdu-Delhi out, when the Republicans was able to close all the black voting booths, when the Republicans was able to do whatever they wanted with the voting rights, uh, you know what I mean? Because they, uh, because without him, they gutted it. Uh, you know what I'm saying? A 90 year old woman standing in the line waiting to vote. If you give us a water, you go to jail. 
See, with him, they, they had to go, all voting changes had to go through him before they could do anything. So they had to get rid of him. But now uh, when when all these powerful senators and congressperson and the vice president, you know what I mean? Because Chris Coons is a right-hand man, a, a senator, powerful senator, uh, came out and, 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 and it was seven Democrats that went with him in order to remove him. He is a, 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 a Democratic president. And the Democrats won't allow him to have uh, 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 his cabinet choice. And with that, they, uh, uh, they stripped us off of our voting rights. And then they try to tell us we can vote over top of that. We can, man, I mean, how much can we take? Uh, you know what I'm saying? And then on top of that, uh, one of the lawyers that was with Mumia is with the NAAC defense. You know what I mean? So everybody thought he was in good hands. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, they, they wouldn't allow uh, uh, certain things to happen with him. They said nothing to protect him. You know what I mean? And then on top of that, they get a $40 million anonymous loan, I mean, anonymous gift after that. Lawyers tell us to Can you repeat that again, brother? I said the NAACP. Repeat that for the Huh? Repeat the point you just said about so fourteen million they gave as a gift. Repeat the no, point. No, not fourteen, forty, four zero, forty million dollars after we lost our right to vote. Them, them using Mumia to take down Debo Abdulelli. Uh, you, you understand what I'm saying? The NAACP defense got a forty million dollar anonymous loan, and with the with the person, I mean, a lot, anonymous gift, not a loan. And then what the person say was. You can use that money to train uh, voting lawyers. And I'm saying if you help Abdul Delhi keep his job and stood up for Mumia, who would have got out, we wouldn't have need no uh, 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 voting rights lawyers. You know what I'm saying? Because we, we, we had the power. We could have voted. We could have put two uh, uh, senators in, in, in uh, uh, D.C., Cause that was the purpose. We got. We need power, not no, no. You know, to hang out. Uh, 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 we cool with a, uh, 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 Joe Biden or whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? We need power. We got to look at it in them terms. And you right, can check that out. Whatever I say, please check it out. Let's go to our next analyst, Brother Moses. Your question or comment, please. Brother Moses. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. Um, let me say that I try to be open and above board um, in order to, that we may unite. And before we can unite, first we must draw clear lines of demarcation, as V.I. Lenin, the Russian revolutionary, said. And so I try to practice that. Let a hundred students of thought contend that a thousand flowers bloom because um, I, I adhere to it. My word is truth, and and so I defend it. And Mumia is definitely being persecuted, uh, just like Julian Assange, as the brother said. Um, speaking truth to power it has its consequences, and we we have to be organized. We have to defend each other. We need, as Anthony, brother Anthony always says, we need permanent organization, and we need to fight the powers with. Uh, Intelligence and the brother 
I'm glad we have him on the show because he shows that he's in the struggle and he's about power and he's about real change and and real revolution and um it's either the ballot or the bullet. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. From Brother Moses, we're going to Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, your questions or comments, please. Well, I think... Sister uh, Eleanor. Uh, brother, yes, thank you. I think Brother Anthony and uh, Brother Ike and uh, Moses have really filled in and drawing the co- coalition between uh, Mubia and Julian Assange is a real issue about um, freedom of press, and it's not a matter of difference of political opinion. At this point, we're talking about just having the right to report facts as they develop, to work as journalists, not to be where we support a certain opinion or a certain view, but to function as journalists seems to be at stake. In addition, I'd like to ask the guest about what he thinks of the response, a national response around the issue of voters' rights and the fact that 39 states, more than 39 states since November 2020, have passed new voter suppression laws. Um, For example, you must have ID. You have to have a current state ID. You have to have different things that traditionally were not required to vote. And this is causing thousands of people not to vote. Recently, we saw in Texas last year where you had to sign an envelope if you were doing an absentee ballot. And this was a completely new ballot redesigned. It was not much, there was no or very little educational program in terms of voters' education. Um, And in many states, you don't see groups like the League of Women Voters. So what do you think about and how do the voter restriction laws that have recently passed since 2020 affect Mubia and, and, and what parallels draw from those laws and uh, the ones that were altered in Mubia's case? Well, to, to, to me, we, uh, we don't have anybody that's in a position to fight for us. You know what I mean? Uh, we don't look for, uh, you don't have to have the same ideology. You don't have to have the same political beliefs. All you got to be is doing something that's benefiting our people. You know what I'm saying? And we'll get with you. And we don't have to stand next to you, whatever the case may be. We'll deal with you from a distance and give you whatever assistance we can give you, whatever help we can give you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Donald Trump is threatening these folks like uh, 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 nobody's business. You know what I mean? And it's subliminal suggestion. You know what I mean? When he put that woman, Betsy DeVos, to be the education secretary, it wasn't her he was after. He was after her brother. Her brother is named Eric Prince. He own, he's a Navy SEAL, and he owns Blackwater, who used to be owned by Dick Cheney. 
You know what I mean? Subliminally letting people know he got an army already. Uh, uh, that uh, the, the other guy, Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn was an army general. And uh, because Obama told him that uh, this guy is under investigation, we can ready to lock him up. And he still disregarded that, put this guy in position, uh, you know what I mean, because uh, it's still subliminally letting people know, I got an army. I can do what I want. Because you got coward Democrats that won't fight. Everything they're doing is illegal. I mean, they talk, the Supreme Court just came out when they overturned the Roe versus Wade. Uh, you know what I mean, to each his own. But they had no authority to do that. They, they cannot overwrite the Constitution. You need 38 states to have a constitutional convention, you know, for, the, for them to do that. And in the Constitution, Article 6, it says uh, federal law supersedes all state laws no matter what. And nobody is bringing that out. Nobody is bringing that up. And that's what the Civil War was about, wasn't it? States' rights. Suppose Alabama, Mississippi come up tomorrow and say, uh, you know, because the Supreme Court is pushing this thing that uh, uh, states have the right to do what they want. Say we don't, we are no longer uh, uh, abide by the Tenth Amendment. All black folks got to get out of here. You mean to tell me they can do that? We got to start fighting, you know. And 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 and, and the Attorney General has the authority to remove the Supreme Court, like Clarence Thomas. You know what I'm saying? But the reason why they don't get into it fully like that, because it was Joe Biden and 11 Democrats that put Clarence Thomas on the bench. Check it out. We just got to fight. Anything else, Eleanor? I concur with the brother. The way Clarence Thomas got um, African-Americans uh, uh, Africans, uh, Americans, descendants of the enslaved people are an enigma in this country. So no one knows who we are and how to deal with us. So when Clarence used words like uh, lynching and no. other things, <laughs> that made him, you know, suddenly uh, all these uh, feelings that whites have and that have not been dealt with historically um, came forward. And yes, that's how um, Clarence Thomas got on the court. And it is true that federal law is supposed to supersede state law. But then the issue becomes the inactivity around Roe versus Wade, the failure to pass a federal voting act, a permanent federal voting act, whether it's the John Lewis Act or whatever. What can we, what do you see the uh, will be happening during the next uh, election in 2024? Thank you, Sister Elmore, uh, for your comments. Thank you for your comments. Let's go to Brother Maurice. Brother Maurice, any comments or questions for our brother, Roger Khan? Yes, yes. Uh, I have a comment and three questions. Um, the first comment, I want to say thank you so much uh, for the brother contributions to the struggle. 
and uh, thank you for your for, for your presentation. Um, the three questions, and I will try to be brief. The first question, I wanted to get your feedback or, uh, and, and critique of this commercialization of, 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 you know, today's Mother's Day, but they got a show on FX on Hulu titled Dear Mama of, uh, you know, highlighting Afeni Shakur and Tupac Shakur and also highlighting political prisoners on the show as well. And I just want to, want to speak to, to how, your, get your feedback on that commercialization of that, t- that TV show, a show that's, um, that's being, uh, uh, you know, owned, if you will, by Fox News or, you know, Fox Network, FX. Mm. Um, and the second, my, my two other questions is, is around the legal, the legal uh, ramifications of Brother Mamil. Um, uh, in regards to Benjamin Crump, <laughs> um, Benjamin Crump, uh, as we see, he, you know, he, he likes to take on high-profile uh, cases of, of African people, such as recently Malcolm X, our leader, our, our, our great leader. He's taken on, you know, cases of uh, all of our brothers and sisters who've been gunned down by police officers. But just want to basically ask you if any, if any, if his name's been brought up in any conversations on, you know, or, or, or any, any feedback in regards to that arena, if, it, if he was, if his name was to be brought up, what would be the response? And last but not, but not least, um, again, in, in regards to the, to the legal team, that, and I'm not too familiar of, of, of Mamil's um, legal team background, but has there been any conversation or involvement of the legal team, members from the legal team of Matula Shakur, uh, Brother Del, uh, Delbert and, and Mike and, and Sister Africa? Thank you. Uh, to my to my knowledge, no, I haven't seen that uh, Afina uh, movie. Uh, you know, I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. And uh, uh, as far as uh, uh, what they are uh, doing uh, around Mumia, uh, Jimmy is the people that keeps him alive. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, when he had hepatitis uh, C. It, uh, his lawyer, his law team that represents him now didn't take that case. Bob Boyle out of uh, 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 New York and the brother Brett out of here, uh, uh, I can't remember the, uh, the name of his uh, law firm right now, out of Philadelphia, uh, they did that to save uh, Mumia's life. You know that Brett, uh, 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 Bob Boyle was uh, uh, uh Jeruba Ben Wahab's lawyer. You know what I mean? He was involved with the political, I mean, the uh, Panther 21. So uh, he fought like, uh, you know what I mean, not being afraid. You can't be afraid of these people. You know what I'm saying? He, uh, the, the minute he got some information that uh, showed how uh, these people were lying, they falsified records, medical records, and he jumped right down their throat. That's what you got to do. And they say it's his life. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm just saying that it wasn't uh, 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 the NAACP uh, defense. It was another uh, 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 group of lawyers. And, and like I said, Bob Boyle was uh, uh, instrumental in that. Uh, something else you asked me, but it was so many questions. I, you know, I, mean, I was trying to uh, keep them in line. But uh, what was it else you uh, was referring to? 
Yes, uh, I'm sorry for all the questions. Um, in, re- in regards, and you answered majority of them. The, the other one was in regards to Benjamin Crump. If uh, any uh, conversation, or if if any, um, if he was to be brought up or reached out, what would be the response to 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 him? Because he's, I see he's taken on, you know, recently uh, the Malcolm, the case of you know Malcolm X suing the, um, the New York Police oh. Department or what have. Oh, he is? Uh, I, I didn't even know that. Uh, you know what I mean? Because uh, uh, my thought was uh, what he was after was money. You know what I mean? Uh, you got to threaten to lock somebody up. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, those are uh, uh, the avenues that we're trying to uh, deal with. You know what I mean? Uh, Clarence Thompson done enough to go to jail. Uh, I mean, well, Trump done done enough to go to jail. You know what I'm saying? He stood in front of the whole entire world and said that, I mean, here's the, uh, the FBI, the Secret Service, the National Intelligence said that they got evidence that Putin was doing certain things against America. He is, and Putin is the, the, uh, the boss of, the, um, of Russia, the KGB boss. He taught people. You know what I'm saying? Here and he's gonna stand up there and say to the world that I trust Putin more than I trust the FBI, more than I trust the Secret Service, and then have a secret meeting with Putin over there, had a secretary come in there and do the transcript and told her she better not tell nobody. Are you kidding me? That is treason all over the world. And there's no such thing as you can't indict a sitting president. Ain't no law. That's a memorandum they made up to save Nixon and get rid of Spiro Agnew. I mean, if people would read or check their history, you know what I'm saying? Uh, if they'd have, if they'd have, if they'd have uh, made a, 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 a Nixon step down, Spiro Agnew would have stepped in. He was worse than Nixon. So they came up with this here, uh, 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 you can't indict a sitting president, made Spiro Agnew leave, and then told uh, Nixon he had to step down. It ain't no law. It's something they made up. But we got to deal with it like that. You know what I'm saying? I have sent uh, 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 some paperwork to uh, the Justice Department. You know what I mean? And telling uh, uh, Merrick Garland, they shouldn't have never even brought him in. He got too much baggage. You know, here's a guy that uh, uh, the Republicans wouldn't even allow to have a hearing. You know what I'm saying? So they got a lot of excuses if he come up with anything against them. So he got to bend over backwards not to look like, uh, not, not to look like he's uh, uh, got a beef with them. You know what I'm saying? And that's too much. We got to get people fighting for us. And we got to have people that stand up there that understand, that know something about law and demand. All right. Thank you. My brother, you said earlier the lawyers are undermining movement legal rights and maneuvers to be released from prison. Can you give our listening audience a little more some a little more detailed examples? What the things lawyers have done and are not doing to have undermined movement um legal case? From your okay, understanding the, perspective. Okay, the statistical analyst was one. The guy, that's all he was there for, to show the court that this, uh, how prejudiced the, uh, 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 the Philadelphia uh, 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 judicial system was in picking a jury. And when he came back, they had another uh, situation where 
they uh, when they when they brought it up again, the court says that they waived that, so they don't have to hear it no more. But we had a lawyer, uh, Rachel Wilkinson, that went to jail. Uh, uh, the judge had her removed from court because she wanted to bring that up. You know what I mean? And now they're gonna say it was waived and they didn't bring it up. But now his this this other lawyer team never even told the judge. I mean, when the judge made that erroneous statement, you know, y'all y'all waived that because you didn't bring it up. They didn't bring this other lawyer up as a witness saying, no, we brought this up such and such a time and it's still viable. You know what I mean? So they lost that. I mean, uh, 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 professional lawyers don't make childish mistakes or idiotic mistakes. I got uh, paralegal, I jailhouse lawyers that do that would uh, they could do better than them. My brother, can you speak to the process, the so-called legal process of pursuing a foul and just trial? When recently. From my understanding, there was a recent judge, a sister out of Philadelphia, found out and, and, and was clear in terms of understanding that the, there was a lot of material evidence that was never submitted in Mumia case and allowed their judges, I mean, and allowed their lawyers to review these materials, hoping to enter, enter them in, into the case. Now, from my understanding, they were given time to do that, and she's supposed to come back and make a verdict on this question of the material evidence that has not been presented in the case to make some kind of decision to maybe reconsider giving him a open and another fair trial. Well, when that date came, something else took place where she just totally made a decision while even acknowledging that this work was never done. Can you just speak to that scenario from your understanding? Yeah, I would, uh, Lucretia, uh, what's the name, Clemens or something like that, the the lady lawyer. And I would say, yeah. why should she do that? Gave Mumia an appeal. He told him I would give him all his appellate rights back. Uh, Krasner did not appeal that. His lawyer should have put in an appeal bail then. Uh, you, you understand what I'm saying? And first of all, when they first come with the 400 boxes of, uh, with, uh, with all the boxes of material they had, the lawyer should have put in a, 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 a motion to dismiss the court, dismiss the trial, dismiss this action. You know, prosecutorial misconduct. Where have all this stuff been? How much is missing? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, how, uh, maybe they didn't put something in it. You know what I'm saying? If this is all the evidence, where is Mumia's clothes? The clothes he got shot and, uh, and arrested in. If this is all the evidence. You can't take these people's word for nothing. And when you do, you're doing your your client a disservice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, Tucker gave Mumia an appeal, and his lawyers appealed Tucker. And that gave the, the uh, Marines Faulkner and them enough time to put in a, 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 a King's Bench motion, you know what I mean, saying that uh, 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 Krasner was a friend of Mumia. And she was trying to get the state's attorney to remove him from Mumia's case. Why? Because he did not appeal that uh, thing right away. But once they got on him, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying, then uh, he, he, uh, he, uh, he tried to appeal. He did appeal it. 
Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? But now, uh, like I said, Tucker gave him an appeal. And Mumi's lawyers appealed Tucker, and they moved Tucker from from his position. They didn't fire him or make him look bad or whatever. They promoted him, gave him a better job, so nobody can complain about that. But he'll never see another uh, post-conviction motion again and give nobody justice again. This is power moves. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And we got to recognize it. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, 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 I just don't know what else to say. Uh, we got to recognize, we got to start fighting, we got to start, and we got to call them out as they are. And what I'm saying, well, just check out whatever, whatever I'm saying, just please check it out. Yeah, because when they're arguing about uh, well, uh, 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 Tucker giving him the appeal, Tucker said, because they were talking about this Williams case where uh, uh, Castile, the judge, uh, was on, he was the district attorney. And he was on another guy's case when he uh, 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 ruled against him from the from the Supreme Court. And the uh, U.S. Supreme Court said, you can't do that. You can't be the district attorney. And when the guy come up on appeal, you're on the uh, Supreme Court, and you're going to turn him down? No, you got to recuse yourself. And Mumia asked him to recuse himself because uh, 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 Steele was on his case too. But now what happened was they trying to say that uh, Castillo didn't have a, a substantial uh, 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 involvement in Mumia's case. And he's going to act like he didn't know who Mumia was. Are you kidding me? He is the district attorney. Mumia is the most famous uh, uh, inmate in the world and, uh, and, and with a police killer. And, and he had somebody write the governor and said that, uh, I want you to hurry up and, you know, give these people the death penalty, especially those that kill cops. And as long, I mean, uh, 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 to make to make the death penalty mean something. But now, what happened was in the box because Judge Tucker asked to have the box viewed in camera in his court. He went through them. You know what I'm saying? Not letting them go through them. The judges and, and I mean the lawyers and the prosecutors, whoever he went through them. He found a missing memorandum. Where the, the woman uh, 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 sent uh, a message to the uh, the governor saying to kill the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, people that's involved in the police killing, but now what's missing is the response that he got, uh, you know, the response that came back. So Judge Tucker said, anytime evidence like that is missing, the defendant get the benefit of the doubt, and we're gonna say that Mumia's name was on that uh, uh, thing that they uh, responded back. And we giving him a bail. I mean, we 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 giving him appeal. And his lawyers appeal that. Okay, my brother. This will be the last question, and whatever final thoughts you you have for our listening audience, you can do that. The last question is: There seems to be a history of a legal system that does not respect any laws and rights when it comes to African people. There's a history of institutions that have been existed since the inception of the system that does not even acknowledge that African people are human beings. So understanding these conditions and looking at the condition of Mumia, what is your suggestion? How can the people best help you and help deal with, oh, not only this issue, but the issue in general, political prisons, like you alluded to earlier. There are many, many, many more, but we know that Mumia case has been one of those that got some of the brightest light. So you'll find appeal to the listening world. 
what can they do to help bring justice to the case of our brother Mumia? And how can they help your organization? We just understand how powerful we are. Understand how, how they fear us. You know what I'm saying? Mumia is a bad man. You know what I mean? But now Debo Abdu Delhi was just as bad. You know what I mean? We got a lot of other uh, 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 individuals that working in different arenas. You know what I'm saying? We got to recognize their worth and help them too. Uh, you know, as long as they're doing something to benefit black people. I mean, uh, 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 if all they want to do is be on television and hang out with the, uh, 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 the senators and the congressmen and get nothing done, they ain't the right person. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, what we can do right this minute, we just uh, uh, trying to reevaluate, trying to get ourselves in order because uh, uh, this is a rough one. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and we trying to uh, work through it. But I wouldn't call, uh, personally, I wouldn't call Ben Crump. Uh, like, uh, you know, the brother was, uh, somebody was, uh, you know, just asking, uh, or, you know, what I, what I thought about it. I wouldn't call him. Uh, 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 you know what I mean? Because uh, it ain't just about the money. Uh, they'd be glad to pay for killing somebody. It ain't on them. It's tax people's money. You know what I mean? If it came out of their pocket, they wouldn't be so uh, 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 gun uh, happy, trigger happy. Hi, my brother. How can they get in touch with your organization, support your organization? And um, we will have to close out this segment in Saudi Arabia with Brother Mumia. Okay. I'm, I'm a Nation Time Judicial Research, and that's where you can reach me at. Nation Time, it's just Nation Time JR at Outlook.com. Send me a message, send me and anything, and uh, I'll get back with you. Okay, my brother, we'd like to thank you. Keep us abreast on what's going on around the issue of Mumia, and we'd like to thank you for coming forward and sharing this information with our listening audience, and let's continue to struggle, because through struggle, all things is possible. The biggest issue okay, is to organize. Okay, I thank you for inviting me, brother, and uh, uh, anytime, I can do anything for anybody. Uh, you know what I mean? We can talk about it. Uh, you know, it ain't every area I can work in, whatever the case may be, but uh, if I can, I will let you know. If I can, I'll let you know that too. And I appreciate y'all. Hi, African. You have a good one. Thank you for sharing. Okay, thank you. Y'all too. You should struggle, but continue struggle to free Brother Mumia. You're listening to Africa on the Move. Today we actually doing a special day in honoring and recognizing Mother's Mother's Day. We will have that discussion coming up, and definitely all of the mothers who have sons and daughters incarcerated, their hearts goes out to you. And the best we can say is it's a continued struggle. We're going to win, but it seems more important that if we want to eradicate this injustice, it may become more beneficial to a oppressed people. Is to transform, transform, eliminate those institutions that has the power to unjustly incriminate your children. It seems to be maybe the solution to this particular issue is the issue of the transformation, the ratification of a system that is designed to keep you in a state of terror, a state of oppression, a state of um, confusion. 
In that sense, we're talking about capitalism, imperialism, and other forms of oppressive systems that oppress people. Maybe we need to start looking at critically how we organize our resources and energies to attack any problems that confront African people on a global basis. Maybe also begin and need to connect issues and the problems of oppression did not and has not started in the confines of the U.S. and connect it back to our home Africa where we can show that our oppression started once they have been able to colonize and press our home Africa. But anyway, this is a struggle. The struggle continues. The best way to uh, make changes and get power is to be organized. So we encourage, encourage all of our listening audience, if you love your mothers, if you want to create a climate to make it, to give them the conditions where they can truly be mothers and be respected, the only way we can do that is to be organized. So let's get organized. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we encourage you. You can call in and share your story, why your mother's special, why you honor this day. But more importantly, we're going to have a, a, a serious discussion on this particular institution we call Mother Day and why we celebrate it and how can we make it become a day that we intend it to be. This is forthcoming. So right now, let's take a pause for the calls and travel down the lane of liberation, and we'll play these two songs dedicated to mothers of the world and our mother, Mother Africa. This is Brother Africa, and you are listening to Africa on the Moon. I'll never hurt you. I 
We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. Today's program dedicated to Mother's Mother Day, 14th of May, 2023. Our theme tonight, Mother's Day, is myths and reality. Before we get into discussion, like always, at this point in time, we'll go to our next segment of the program, which is what's going on in your world and the community. We'll bring our political panelists and analysts back in, and we encourage you, the listening audience, if you want to call in and share with us what's going on in your world community, you can do that by dialing 323-679-0841, hit 1, and we will acknowledge your last four numbers. So let's find out what's going on in that world in the community, and we start out with Brother Haki and bring him back in. Brother Haki, what's going on in your world and the community? Well, Brother Africa, in keeping with the theme of socialization, I think it's key that we understand the power of socialization. Uh, I got three quick examples I want to run by people in terms of sort of clarifying what this thing of socialization is really all about and how it impacts us all. I think it's, 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 it's pertinent to say that it's, in, it's key, I think, that in the African community, that we understand those forces, how they impact the way we think, the way we see the world, the things that we do. Because if we're going to save our children, then we have to come to grips with the socialization verb, adverse, negative socialization that impacts our minds, uh, you know, in the society. So clearly, in providing these three examples, probably provide some clarity in terms of how socialization works and why it's so key to address it. The first thing is that, you know, recently there was a, a broadcaster for Major League Baseball. He was doing an honor to the Negro League, and he was talking about the Negro League's contribution to, to American baseball, so-called American pastime. Well, he inadvertently, he, he, he performed a Freudian slip. He said uh, the Negro League. Well, it's important to point this out because one of the things when we talk about the, this Freudian slip, we talk about this unconscious coming to the conscious. We got to understand that this stuff is deeply embedded and, 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 and in the minds of a lot of people in society. And as such, assigning us that status as a nigger, it means that, you know, our, our status as a human being, our, 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 the, the meaning of our lives become inconsequential, they become unimportant. And so, therefore, what happened to people who are niggers is really of no importance so in positions of power. And we've got to fundamentally understand that society moves to indoctrinate increasing numbers of white people of that that African people are, in fact, the enemy, then we got to understand that when white folks use that word nigger, then we got to understand clearly the implications of what that means. And we're talking about a, a, a we're talking about a, a conscious, we're talking about an unconscious process in which they don't have to call, you know, the, state, the state doesn't have to use the word nigger, 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 nigger. They do it in a myriad of ways in terms of how they present stories, the kind of stories they tell, uh, how, those, how those stories uh, are replicated. All of that stuff contributes to and conditioning uh, the minds of white America in terms of how they see African people. And we have to fundamentally understand the role of, condition, of, of, of socialization or the social conditioning of the mind is a real thing. We have to say that in American society, there are a lot of people who think that, but they're just intelligent enough not to say it out loud. They might say it privacy of their home or when they're surrounded by other white people, but they're not going to say it you know, on, a public, you know, in, on a public setting. This guy was just, he, this guy was just so so inundated with the racism that he said it on live TV. This, this guy by the name of Glenn Copper. Now, so, the, so when you think about the fact that he's willing to jeopardize everything just to, just to express his hatred of, of African people by uttering nigger, then clearly, you know, socialization has a very, 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 very much power in terms of the ability, in terms of shaping how people see people, 
uh, how people react to people, or even how how people should should be treated. And so clearly, we have to fundamentally understand that reality. The second thing, uh, if, you know, Phil Jackson, a former basketball, a former coach uh, for the Lakers, uh, he played basketball for the New York Knicks. Uh, he uh, he he made a statement about he would no longer support the NBA because the league embraced social movements, particularly the Black Lives Matter. His position was that politics should play no part in terms of professional sports. That is very ironic, given the fact that Jackson himself was one of the biggest advocates against the war uh, when he played with the New York, New York Knicks. Now he says that he's, he's opposed to, to politics and sports. And, you know, Shannon Sharp made a very interesting point. He said politics is, is very much a part of all sports. Historically, that's the case, and currently that's the case. So that's not going to change. But the mere fact that at one point Jackson could embrace uh, the idea in terms of ending war, but now when you talk about ending racism or injustice, ending poverty in the society, he sees that being offensive. He has a problem with that. Again, it speaks to the kind of socialization that exists in the society where white folks can easily internalize this racism without even realizing this racism. Uh, I'm sure if you talk to him, he would disavow any, 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 any uh, a racist bone in his body. But the bottom line in terms of, you know, his... His, his, his statement that uh, not only he's in opposition in terms of uh, in terms of you know uh, you know sports you know sports taking up the mantle of you know social movement, he's he's even went as far to say that he won't even support basketball anymore and encouraging others not to support NBA basketball. That in itself is very, very interesting. And you stop and think about it. If you superimpose the fact that this guy made millions upon millions of dollars, I mean you know you know hundreds of millions of dollars off the backs of African players, you know, who, who made it possible for him to become rich. And when you think about the fact that all these African players made him rich, you would think that in terms of his thinking, that before he would make a statement like that, he would say, he would say listen, reflect on the reality that these, these African players made him tons and tons of money. Without them, he would, he would, he would have nothing. And so the reality is that he's, well, he's saying that now that he's got the money, he's true to reflect how he truly feels. And so this, again, is indicative of socialization in terms of, you know, how you really see a people. We have to fundamentally understand, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know this, 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 this camaraderie, this sense of brotherhood among all people is good. I support that. I, I, I love it when I run to people, you know, of different ethnicities, you know, who are all about the, the movement of humanity, the betterment of humanity. I'm all about that. Cannot negate the reality is that when you talk about socialization, particularly in the context of American society, you cannot dismiss the very heinous, the very destructive, very adversarial nature of uh, the, the existence in this country, which says that the lives of black people has no real value. Uh, the only, to the extent that African lives have any value, is when people can use African people. It's only then that they have value. Once that usefulness is used up, African people have no more value. That is a function of socialization. I certainly hope people understand what I'm saying here. Lastly, and I say this, Brother Africa, you know. Um, you know, old, old reports resurfaced. It's talking about back in the 80s and 90s, there was a meeting of record executives. And uh, what they talked about, the fact that they was going to change the basic tenet of rap music. Rap music would cease to be positive. These executives wanted more gangster themes in terms of rap music. And if you give them gangster themes, the promise was that we would give you record deals if you promote negative kinds of rap music. Uh, at least to say, just uh, this... this Needless to say, you know, the reason why they wanted the rap music to change to the gangster theme was because these same record executives were invested in private prisons, and they are going to make tons and tons of money. In order to make tons and tons of money to ensure the continuation of lots of money, 
They need to fill up the private prisons with people. Who those people would be? The African community. They would in turn use these African uh, 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 rapper rappers, use them to promote a message which is which is counterproductive uh, to the aspirations of the African community. Uh, many of these things are antisocial, which encourages young people to do all kind of negative, destructive things. And it's unfortunate, you know, that that, that they chose, you know, to use these rappers to do that. But they understood one fundamental thing, Brother Africa, and that is that in doing so, they understand the role of socialization. If you constantly pumping out rap music which talks about the most absurd, the most negative, most most irresponsible stuff conceivable, then it does have an impact on young children who grew up listening to that stuff. And so it it, it paints a kind of reality uh, in the minds of these young people, and they end up trying to act out that reality. And unfortunately, because a lot of us are socialized to believe that nothing in life matters to us but money, once, once we believe that, then we do any and everything in order to achieve that money. So when these record executives say, give me negative rap music, they say, okay, fine, I give you negative music, give me the contract. And they're more than willing to do it, as opposed to saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, if, if, if I take sign this contract and I pump up negative rap music, the repercussions for my community, for my brother, my sister, my mother, my father, my relatives, it's going to be devastating. I can't be a part of that process. That's only if I clearly understand the political parameters that we must uh, we must engage. If I'm naive, if I don't understand the political reality of the society, if I don't understand socialization, I buy into that money that, that money argument. I you know I just tell them, okay, give me the contract. I want the money. I give you what you want without any regard in terms to the repercussions of what you do on, on when, when you produce that music. So clearly, this is all part of socialization. To the extent that we're talking about socialization, it's important that people understand that what our children think is important. You must, you must teach our children African history. They must understand African history. That's so if and buts about it. They, even black conservatives can agree on that point. You must teach our kids African history because we have no choice. If our kids grow up in society, which society was fundamentally anti-African, which is diametrically opposed to the African survival in society, if our kid grew up inculcated with certain kind of ideas, certain kind of values in terms of what it is to be an African person, they know nothing about African contributions, nothing about Af African history, know nothing about the contributions of Africa, not only to the United States, but to the world. If our children don't know that, of course they're going to embrace the negative. We have to understand the role of socialization. We, first and foremost, must reject the slave mentality that exists in, our, in ourselves. We have to see that slave mentality in ourselves, resist that slave mentality, and make sure that our children, we, we make sure our children eradicate that slave mentality. So when they grow up and have families, they teach their children a more positive way in terms of proceeding, you know, in a very hostile environment. Without that fundamental political understanding of the world, you know, we become victims of a process. Socialization, again, which is not to opposed to the interests of all African people. So clearly we got that work cut out for us. And I certainly hope people begin to understand this rule of, of, of socialization. I know for a lot of people it's problematic. They can't get the concept. I, I don't know, but a lot of people just can't get the concept. When you try to explain to them, you know, um, you know, you know, how society works, how it impacts on the way they think, a lot of people can't grasp that concept. I'm certainly hoping these three examples serve uh, some example in terms of how, you know, even though these things are very, very subtle, they nonetheless have a major impact on where we think, where we perceive things, the way we see ourselves. So, and having said that, Brother Africa, I'll close. Thank you, Brother Haki. Thank you for telling the story of why we are getting played. The others are still getting paid. Thank you very much. Next, we go to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world and the community? 
Brother Anthony. Yes. Uh, there are there are some Africans that realize that uh that, that seem to understand that a person uh anywhere uh in the world allows for uh for oppression among us uh let's see i want to share with you uh excerpts from a statement on the latest israeli aggression on palestine that was issued by the socialist movement of ghana and uh and it's interesting that this this comes out of uh, out of Ghana, even though it is uh, uh, Ghana's present under neo-colonial domination. The um, the socialist movement of Ghana insists on the following: the right of all Palestinian refugees to return to their homeland without any preconditions, this, the dismantling of all illegal settlements, and a complete and to all settlement activities. The release of all Palestinian political prisoners without any preconditions. The recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Palestine. The complete repudiation of all apartheid laws. The establishment of a fully independent Palestinian state with secure borders. And uh, it seems that, and and I think this is rather significant. Uh, so this shows that 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 there are Africans in uh, you know uh, in at home and uh, and in the diaspora that recognize the similarity of the Palestinian and African uh, uh, liberation struggles. And I think this is very significant and uh and uh bodes well for a brighter future uh for uh Palestinians and Africans uh worldwide. And hopefully that uh that shows solidarity continue. And also this is the uh uh some Palestinians commemorated this day, May fourteenth, as the seventieth Fifth anniversary of Nakba, uh, the uh, the uh, you know the uh, disaster or Holocaust that befell Palestine seventy five years ago when the Zionists uh, you know took control uh, with the help of uh, the U S. and other capitalist countries. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Next, we'll make our transition to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world and the community? Thank you, thank you Brother Africa. Uh, it's been an interesting week. Um, Biden gave a commencement address at Howard University yesterday. Um I think during the speech, they locked the doors um, and uh, until the speech was over, then they reopened it. Uh, my nephew had tickets or something. But uh, meanwhile, we find ourselves fighting for liberation as usual, uh, fighting the powers that be. And, um, and um, we... Looking forward to a day when when all of 
all of Africa is free of uh, colonialism and imperialism and that the scientific socialism unites Africa under a uh, revolutionary government. Uh, We're struggling for that day. Uh, There's there's much going on, but 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 uh, the overall struggle continues. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And from Brother Moses, we go to Sister Eleanor. What's going on in your world and the community, Sister Eleanor? It's um, it's been uh, a busy week. I myself have been having uh, struggles with my health and um, found myself uh, in one of only four hospitals in the nation's capital in the District of Columbia. And we see capitalism going awry in that uh, we are on a building campaign that uh, uh, improving in wealth, making the developers, out-of-state developers wealthy. Uh, the third district police station at 16th and V, and the ninth uh, engine number nine, the fire station at 16th and U uh, are being uh, threatened to close and be given away to developers. Um, You look at the Advisory Neighborhood Commission resolution in giving this property to developers and you wonder who wrote it appears that it's being written by the development lawyers specializing in development in real estate and land law. And this is in the capital of the District of Columbia where there is a tremendous problem with homelessness and uh, health care is at uh all time low um, hospitals like Georgetown University are reconfiguring storage rooms um, as uh, carryover or layover rooms for patients um, patients uh, have no idea where they're going or what's going on, and for myself, I had to have a, a healthcare professional come in and actually clean the hospital room where I was placed. The room uh, hadn't been cleaned. The um, facility hadn't been The room hadn't been cleaned. Um, there were flies and and vermin. Uh, so you 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 find it hard to believe that this could be happening in the United States. And we understand that the United States has the worst healthcare system in the developed world. 
but uh, uh, I have witnessed examples of it right here. Thank you. I've witnessed examples of it right now, and you might experience it right now in the background. Um, I've been waiting here for hours for some assistance, and someone's coming in here talking to me right now. But it's been uh, 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 a rough two weeks, and uh, uh, there's really a need to get big pharma out of uh, the medical school curriculum and to reassess health care the care of the elderly, and we saw that during COVID, we uh, we saw during COVID, we saw that only in in nursing homes and um, group homes uh, and prisons where there's such large number of deaths, and uh, we have to really think about how underserved children, the elderly are, and recently it was announced that the fourth cause of death in the United States, poverty. So thank you, and um, that concludes my comments for this evening right now. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. And from Sister Eleanor, we're going to Brother Maurice. Brother Maurice, what's going on in your world in the community? Yes, yes. And I just want to say to Sister Eleanor, please uh, get get better soon. The struggle needs you. Our children need you. Our people need you. So please get better real soon. Um, Two things I want to focus on that's going on uh, in our world tonight. Um, The first thing is that uh, we need to keep our thoughts, prayers, meditation, what what have you, for our brothers and sisters on the, in the Congo. Um, on May 4th, it was a heavy rainstorm that accumulated landslides and mudslides um, in the Congo, in the part of the Congo. Um, I'm not even going to say the name or try to say the name of the area because I don't want to shred the name or give, you know, the incor- incorrect pronunciation. But uh, I digress. 400 people was reported dead. 4,500 people are still missing um, as of uh, of May 10th when this uh, news was given out by the Friends of the Congo. Uh, villages was devastated um, by the by the storms and and, and these and these floods. And uh, the front, you know, you can you can if you want to support our brothers and sisters. In the Congo, you can visit friends of the Congo dot org, and again, that's friends of the Congo dot org. If you want to make a donation or to support, provide support. Um, the next and the last thing uh, that's going on in our world recently, recently I read an article from the New Yorker uh, magazine about mining in South Africa. South Africa, and what I was alarmed by from reading this article, and I go back quickly, uh, welcomes mining industry in South Africa, Africa. and, and it's kind of interesting that the, the name of this uh, industry is titled Welcomes with a K, like welcome somebody into your home, <laughs> but welcomes with mining industry, 
the article speaks about dead bodies uh, are left 1,600 feet below these mines, 2,600 feet from falling to their deaths. And they 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 term they they use a term for 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 these brothers um zama zamas and this is a zulu term that says that means taking a chance and these brothers these africans are taking a chance every time they go in these mines uh for gold these golden mines and these mines are abandoned um the the, the government or the the the, the colonialists neo colonialists at play um being these mines um, illegal to access, but still our brothers trying to survive. They still, you know, they're going in these mines at a hundred degree temperatures, man. And they're getting crushed by boulders the size of cars. The article reported their bodies are turning gray from not having uh, sunlight in these mines. And then when they come, if they make it, if they survive and come back to the land, they are blinded for hours upon, you know, returning to the surface. They come back with tuberculosis from inhaling the, the dust in the tunnels. In the tunnels, I'm sorry. And they only earn $35 a day, man. And they said since 2007, more than 700, quote-unquote, Zamazamas have been recovered, dead. Dead bodies have been recovered. Um, the article speaks about mine explosions taking place from concentration of methane being de- uh, detonated by rocks sparking from knocking into each other. And all of this is caused by gold. And then, you know, and and, and, I, and I urge you, man, to go Google this article. And, you know, because it, it, it got a lot of wealth of information that I don't want to bogart the show tonight with. But I, I conclude by saying that we are celebrating today Mother's Day, and a lot of us, a lot of you know, a lot of us want to you know give gifts in the form of jewelry to our moms, gold, diamonds, and this is the stuff that our brothers and sisters are dying on the continent for, and prof and, and big business is profiting from from this um from from this not only or you know not only diamond or gold industries but also food industries, uh, fast food industries, KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken is is benefiting from this. From this uh, epi- this, this, this epidemic, a pandemic of, of, of brothers dying in these mines, trying to survive. Eighty buckets of chicken, eighty buckets of chicken are are being you know this, are ordered on occasions. With they load the trucks with chicken from KFC, and they take this chicken from KFC. KFC making big money. They take this chicken from KFC, and they triple the price to sell to the brothers who are working in these mines to eat, to live, to survive. So this is what this is what going this is what going this is what is going on. And I was shocked to, to, to see in the article that the New Yorker talked about the British and the United States involvement on initiating these top secret programs to retrieve uranium to develop nuclear weapons. So it's an interesting article. And this is from their own propaganda and itself, and they giving and they showing what they are doing, and uh, and I conclude by saying that Happy Mother's Day. Enjoy your gifts. My brother, can you give me the name of the article and the author who wrote it again? Yes, uh, and I, if you bear with me real quick, 
we can take we can take a we can take we're gonna take a break and when we come back they'll share that information with us, okay? All right. Before we All go right, on to the next topic. All right. All right. All right, brothers and sisters, you listen to Africa Africa on the Moon. I'm Brother Africa. We are honoring mothers today, mothers of the world. When we come back, we're gonna discuss some real interesting items titled Why the Families of Mother Day Turn Against It. This article was written by Cheryl Proot. And if you get a chance, Google that article, Why the Family of Mother Day Turn Against It. You know, if we're going to celebrate these, these holidays that they call them, we need to understand this history and how they fit in the schemes of things that relates to our people's freedom and liberation. We have that discussion in respect and in, in honor to mothers, because we do know that mothers not only are they special, but being a mother, we know that you do all that you can for the best of your children. So on that note, we're coming right back. These songs that you hear today on this program is in honor of our mothers, grandmothers, and Mother Africa and the world. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Moon. I'm Chakma, straight from Uganda, Africa. I'm never leaving this land anymore. I'm living in Tampa for my mother's land. Oh, Africa, I'm never leaving this land anymore. I'm living in Tampa for my mother's land. Oh, Africa, the land of beauty, the land of milk, the land of honey and rain. The land where people smile, the land where people love, the land where people are friendly, the land where people dance, the land with a good agriculture, and that's why we feed the world. I'm African, proud African, straight from Uganda, and that's why me sing and say, Africa, my motherland, I'm never leaving this land anymore. I'm living in Tamza for my mother. I'm never leaving this land anymore I'm living in Tanzania for my mother's land Oh Africa Hearts everywhere, sweet sounds everywhere The land is so cool Many, many tribes united as one Together we stand That's why we sing and sing Africa, you make me fall in love Africa, you make me love you more Yeah, economical, social Political, I love the weather every day. Africa, my motherland. Hey yo, that is Jackman, 2000 and more. Global Production Studios. Africa, 
South African, straight from Uganda. And that's why me sing and say, Africa, my motherland. I'm never leaving this land
That's right. We will always love our mother and happy Mother Day to all the mothers and grandmothers and people who are acting in that capacity. Happy Mother Day on the 14th day of May, 2023. At this point in time, we're going to make our transition to our theme tonight. Mother Day is myths and reality. Before we make the transition, I'll come back to my brother Maurice, who had shared a really interesting article of what was going on among the people in Azania, South Africa, the miners, and we want him to repeat that source so we can go and check it out and be aware of air conditions on a global basis. Brother Maurice? Yes. So, yes, uh, this is the article comes out of the New Yorker magazine or newyorker.com, um, and the title of the article is The Dystopian Underworld, of South Africa's illegal gold mine by Kaiman, that's K-I-M-O-N, K as in K as in uh, Kathy, I as in ice, M as in man, O as in octopus, N as in Nancy, Kaiman de Grief, uh, D-E-G-R-E-E-F, Kaiman de Grief. And this is all going on. And understanding that these um, individuals all have mothers, and this is some of the things mothers around the world have to face. 
what can we do to change this climate condition? I think one of the best things we can start out doing is just understanding the history of all these institutions that we run behind the holidays and ask the question, how do they fit into the schemes of things as lace of air people, realities, and liberation? And let's just have a little bit of dialogue today on Mother's Day, just myths and reality. There's an article we'd like to encourage you to get a chance to Google and read titles. Why the family of Mother's Day turn against it? It was written by Cyril Prout, and it was originally written on May the 10th, 2013, and then they redid it on May the 9th, 2022. But it's a real interesting article. Raised many issues of contradictions, contradictions as around the so-called um, holiday, this event we call Mother's Day. And we'd like to just have some discussion of it. So we raise up people's consciousness in terms of the type of things that we should or shouldn't participate in, or even if we participate in, how can you make it um, as a tool that will benefit moving our people forward? It states that Anna Jarvis, who founded Mother Day in 1908, passionately opposed its growing commercialization and eventually campaign against the holiday. Anna Jarvis, who had no children of her own, conceived of Mother Day as an occasion for honoring the sacrifices individual mothers made for their children. In May 1908, she organized the first official Mother's Day event at a church in her hometown of Grafton, West Virginia, as well as at a Wanamaker department store in Philadelphia, where she lived at, the, at that time. Jarvis then began writing letters to newspapers and politicians pushing for the adoption of Mother's Day as an official holiday. By 1912, many other churches, towns, states were holding Mother's Day celebration and Jarvis had established the Mother Day International Association. Her high fort campaign paid off in 1914 when President Woodrow Wilson signed a bill officially establishing the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. Conceived of Mother's Day as an intimate occasion, a son or daughter honoring the mother they knew and loved and not a celebration of all mothers. That's interesting. For this reason, she always stressed the singular mother rather than the plural. She soon grew disillusioned as Mother Day almost immediately became centered on the buying and giving of print cards, flowers, candy, and other gifts. I'll just stop right there just for your backdrop. And this history is more tied to the history of the U.S., not necessarily the history that came out of Europe, even though this is an extension of Europe or other places. But just for a, a, a sense of having a critique of how we need to be conscious of these institutions and these holidays and how they fit in the scheme of things, we must go back and look at the history. 
So my panelists was asked to look at this article and, and have a discourse on this and Mother's Day in general. The whole point is try to create a condition in terms of how Mother's Day can be better valued and appreciated, particularly when we talk about mothers. So like that, I will stop. I'll bring my panelists in. I will ask them, based upon this article, uh, mothers, the history of Mother's Day raises many contradictions, at least for me. I'd just like to hear y'all take. And as you said, I found it interesting reading the history panelists. One of the things that came out is that really Mother's Day was stimulated, came out of the idea of really just dealing with single-parent moms, moms who were single. And this was back in the early 1900s, 1902, 1908, 1910, 1912. You know, when you talk about single-parents in these households, today they act like it was something new, just recently happened. So I found it interesting we aim it only for single-parents, and on top of that, as you heard me read, the so-called so-called founder of this Mother Day inside the context of the U.S., she would emphasize just your mother and not really acknowledging other people's mothers. You know, what does that mean? So anyway, panelists, when we talk about this Mother Day, she, she ends up later on campaigning against it because she didn't want to become commercialized. We see, like, we see that all days, holidays in this country and most capital countries, they are always geared towards one major aspect of commercialization. They turn into money-making. And she campaigned against it, but they told her, hey, you threw out the idea. It's a good idea to make money. Money trumps all things. So this is what we have today. So, panelists, thanks for this article and discussion of Mother's Day as an institution. What are some of the contradictions that you have uh, discovered as you resort I've been exposed to some of the history of it. And how do y'all view Mother's Day today in terms of is it truly to represent the interests of mothers or is it something that is only devalued because the society, the institutions, and the, the wealthy class of folks can make money out of it? Now, did your discourse start off, Brother Haki? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think that her motivation has more to do with the economic imperative. I think in 1912, there was a tremendous amount of immigration happening in the United States. And in that context, you end up having a lot of single mothers as a result of the relationship, with, you know, with uh, you know, just trying to survive. So I think that she was she was conscious of the fact, you know, that there was a tremendous amount of single women at that point in history. And as such, you know, having children, they needed some kind of support. So I don't think she, she consciously negated the, the interests of married women. I think she just understood that the economic imperative for poor women was much more pressing than it was for women who were married, you know, with two e- incomes. Uh, I think that in the, in the context when we talk about in terms of the, the, the benefits of, you know, of, of Mother's Day, I think one of the things we have to first acknowledge, and that is that when we talk about Mother's Day in the context of, of a patriarchal society, uh, things evolve around men, not women. Uh, in traditional societies, traditional African societies, uh, traditional Asian societies, uh, traditional Latin societies, uh, societies tend to be organized around the women. In that context, the value and the contributions of women are well established, well recognized. But the context of West, in the Western world was organized around men. The bottom line is that, you know, when we talk about the shortcomings women have to endure, you know, day in and day out, uh, they're not really concerned in a patriarchal society. So this is a fundamental problem that we have in terms of this. But the overall tenant, I think, of Mother's Day is a very, very good thing. But I think but one, of, one of the real problems, one of the real contradictions about Africa, I think that if you're going to talk about, you know, really honors Women's Day, then you have to certainly have to take into account 
capitalism in terms of its very um, negative impact on the lives of women. In the U.S., for example, when you talk about the lives of women, specifically when you talk about you know social service cuts, in particular Medicaid, to poor women and children, that becomes very, very problematic. When you talk about rising incarceration rate, particularly among African women, that too is very, very problematic. Or even when you talk about the prenatal, prenatal care or lack of thereof, uh, for women uh, end up dying during you know childbirth, that's problematic, particularly for African women, and you know it's increasing among all women, but particularly for African women. And lastly, I think also the kind of economic exploitation in terms of that is applied against women, and the mental neglect that falls from that, I think is unfortunate because when you think about economic exploitation of women, you talk about essentially condoning a whole family unit to a life of poverty, which means that in terms of the potential for to contribute greatly to society becomes somewhat undermined. Because you got kids on a sugar diet eating, you know, eating cupcakes or cupcake or potato chips to survive, that's not that's not conducive in terms of you know, um, you know, uh, um, you know, a scholarship, you know, a, a, you know, academic scholarship. Uh, so clearly, you know, so this kind of antagonism when it comes to capitalism, if we don't really address the contradictions in terms of capitalism as relate to women, then the bottom line is that Mother's Day would have no real concrete. Uh, uh, meaning in terms of, you know, being applicable to the lives of women, you know, in the society. Uh, but one, is, one, one final thing, Brother Africa, I think also that when we talk about in terms of capitalism, in terms of this, this abhorrent treatment of women, I think one of the things is that when you, when you value money at all, money, money at, you know, all, over all other things, uh, the bottom line is that, you know, those who are most vulnerable to, to exploitation certainly are going to receive increasing amounts of exploitation. And as such, when you talk about a patriarch society and women being at the bottom in terms of economic earnings, despite their educational achievements, then clearly you can anticipate that women would suffer immensely under the capitalist system. So clearly, if we're talking about truly, you know, empowering women or to make Mother's Day uh, uh, genuine, then we have to get the capitalism must be eradicated. It must be destroyed. There's no other way, way to put it. And I close with that. Okay, go on, okay, brother Aki, brother, brother Anthony. Your take on how this how this history of Mother's Day was originally so-called created in the context of America and how it's playing out today. What did you take or view from this article, and how can we truly make Mother's Day become a day truly for the interests of mothers? Your take, brother Anthony. Yes, um, there is a tendency. Um, with, with, with all uh, holidays celebrated in the U.S., for them to be highly commercialized, and that includes uh, and uh, that includes uh, Mother's Day, and even uh, and even uh, a holiday as sacred as Christmas Day, is highly commercialized, and uh, and I think that's what uh, what. Uh, Anna Jarvis was fighting against was the commercialization of Mother Day, of Mother's Day, and uh, and uh, you know, and it was, and she intended to be the day to honor motherhood, in the uh, individual mother and their role in society, and um, and uh, and their soul and their role. As uh, as uh, as the pre- preserver of uh, of uh, people's culture, and I think uh, uh, and I think that was honorable. I think why she turned to re- uh, she turned against it was because of the commercialization 
uh, of uh, of Mother's Day and uh, and uh, you know and uh, the role it played in making companies lots of money. And uh, she was against that, and I think that's why she turned against, uh, you know, she was against the, the, the increased commercialization. Even within her lifetime, she saw that, and that's why she turned against it. Uh, but, think, uh, but I think the positive that it was a day to honor mothers and motherhood, and I think that's a positive but I think the reason why she turned against it is because of, uh, you know, its commercialization and how companies used it as an opportunity to make money instead of uh, honoring uh, uh, honoring women who played the uh, the role of uh, uh, of mothers in uh, you know in the, in their lives. And uh, I think she turned against that, and correctly so. She was against the commercialization of Mother's Day, and uh, and uh, you know, and uh, that could be understood. But one of the features uh, that characterize capitalist societies is that they turn every holiday into an opportunity to make money. And uh, she was against that. And uh, that's understandable. And the only way we can put, uh, 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 put an end to this sort of thing is by uh, ending capitalism, uh, which just causes the commercialization and uh, turns uh every hol- uh every holiday into an opportunity to make money and uh that's what she was against brother Moses your take yeah um we um We um we're talking about what now? We're talking about Mother's Day. The history, Mother, the history of the Mother history. Day was an act. The history of Mother Day reflects what we think Mother Day is today, and maybe some mm. contradictions that came up about it. In the, in the article, it raised the issue about the young lady who thought Mother Day should be viewed as you know a day at least for single mothers with kids. At least right. some may interpret that way. Well, I'm just wondering in terms of looking at Mother Day, also it came at a time after the, the so-called Civil War, that concept. You think that yeah. concept or people who thought about that concept also thought that it should have applied to African people? Or is this some kind of idea that rose out of the idea of just the that European people and not others? I'm just real curious from this article, how do y'all view that? Right. Right, the article was interesting. Uh, I think we would have to say it was basically among the European uh, community uh, that that you know the original plans were were. Uh, we I don't know that she was uh, a great uh, leader in terms of um, pursuing African interests. Uh, um, 
uh, I, I can't prove that, but I, um, that's my suspect. suspect. Um, it was originally, I think it was a noble a noble cause in any case, um, um, just like voting rights, et cetera, you know, um, the, you know, it's a noble cause. Um, it just has to go thoroughly, thoroughly through the community and thoroughly through all people so that all people um, recognize all mothers and um, and uh, properly um, give their respects. Um, but, yeah, the commercialization, I mean, that was Christmas. They're all holidays uh, under capitalism. Um, is it has a natural tendency to, to be exploited um, for to gain the maximum amount of profits for the business community and uh, that's just the nature of capitalism. Uh, um, uh, but like it started with a noble cause and uh, and uh, we should don't reverse correct verdicts. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Talk to me, Sister Eleanor. Yeah, Mother's Day is a terrific holiday, and um, it was, as the fellow analyst said, a very noble idea intended to show respect for women and acknowledgement of the great things that women do and women are. Women are literally the founders of civilization, the founders of agriculture. Um, but um, as Brother Anthony said, everything in the United States becomes commercialized, and uh, that's where uh, Anne stepped away from Mother's Day, not from the concept itself. And also, uh, we still struggle with uh, issue in our country of respecting women and respecting all mothers and all women. I uh, like the song you played with uh, Tupac. Uh, well, what I should say is an example with Tupac, the way he describes his mother in uh, a song played on this evening's show is an example of uh, motherhood in, in the West. And I always think of uh, revolutionary sisters such as uh, uh, Frances Welsing, Ida B. Wells, um, Harriet Tubman, Terrell, and the list just goes on. These women are not only mothers and caregivers, and there's so many women who may have never had children but still are nurturers and serve the role um, as mothers, as caregivers, as as, uh, protectors, Um, those people who prepare the meals, um, who clean the homes, uh, motherhood has become a virtual industry when you look at uh, industries such as housekeeping, you look at cooks, you look at waitressing for a year, years. It was just understood that it was a woman's job. And it is the, the, the greatest holiday I think we have in this country 
is Mother's Day because it is the only time we reflect on women. And it is really fantastic. It's a fantastic holiday in that we reflect on women and the things that women do in our society. And that in itself is uh, just fantastic. Um, Some years ago, I made a T-shirt, and um, I just included randomly people like uh, uh, Shakura um, Ashanti. I don't remember her name. I'm not looking at it. She's the niece of Tupac and lives in exile in Cuba. I think of people like Fannie Lou Hamer, who was the mother of at least six children, and a civil rights leader, a voter's rights activist. And despite the death of those around her and other things, she continued to not only parent, but continued uh, to be a advocate for basic human rights, voters' rights, or look at Angela Davis or Shirley Chisholm, Rosa Parks. So the list goes on, and it, to me, is the warmest, most wonderful holiday. You can see a woman, uh, I'm in the hospital, and you, you see the housekeeper, you tell her Happy Mother's Day, a smile is on her face. She's a nurse. Happy Mother's Day. A smile on her face. And uh, you see the person working in nutrition, serving food. Happy Mother's Day. It's a smile on their face. Even when you say Happy Mother's Day to men, they tell you what they're going to do with their wives, their daughters, and their mothers. So it is a a critical holiday, and it was only um, turned against uh, by its founder because of its commercialization. Thank you, my sister, Brother Maurice. Your response. And to our political panelists and audience, we will ask everybody to be conscious of, let's try to keep our response to three to four minutes. So everybody and people can get a chance where we can further discuss these important topics. Okay, Brother Maurice, your response to this article. Yes, sir, and, and I would try my best to stick stick to that four minutes. Um, so my, my response is basically I concur with Brother Anthony and and and, and Brother Haki. Um, basically, you know, uh, this. This holiday, you know, like they do with all holidays, and pretty much all the panelists have said it, they take these holidays, uh, they start off, you know, humanistic, if you will, like Mother's Day. It started off as something humanistic, not capitalistic, and that's what it becomes to. But I I just want to go back to the article and look at some things, some data. It says that $20 billion each year was brought in from you know, cards. And who 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 got the monopoly on cards? Hallmark. 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 Hallmark got the monopoly on cards. Hershey's 
Mars Company got the, the monopoly on candy, right? Uh, by the the great cap. Not, <laughs> I didn't mean to say the great, because I mean these these people are not great. But one of these um these most uh uh, uh uh how can I say most successful I guess in that he's a capitalist um win your meals uh Wrigley who who built his foundation off these these resources that was coming from Ghana rubber to make the the chewing gum that we that we love to eat that we love to chew um the chocolate from Ghana for these Hershey's candy M and M's Snickers you name it Starburst Starburst Hershey's um, three Musketeers, Mickey, Milky Way, Twix, all these candies. And that all that money goes to his uh, empire, that chocolate empire, that Willy Wonka, that movie um, chocolate and the Willy, what Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was based off, based off of him, you know. But this this, this is the thing that we got, when we look at these um, holidays, they take everything and conform everything positive and make it into a negative to benefit them. Benefit that 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 one percent that 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 small group of people, um, and they did the same thing when we look at Skittles, right? Another candy that's produced by Mars. Skittles in Arizona was in the hands of Trevor Martin when he was killed by George Zimmerman, and the, and, and the thing we did, we we and it was a bunch of hoopla about that. We went and spent our money, go get a hoodie, go get we're gonna have a march, a candlelight vigil, and we're going to go get Skittles, and we're going to get. Arizona iced tea. Who benefited at the end of the end of the day? Those companies. They take everything positive. They try to. They doing it the, the, the same thing with African center uh, holidays or celebrations um, with Kwanzaa, and they trying to take that and, 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 and commercialize Kwanzaa. They taking out revolutionary celebration. Not even celebration. It's a day of struggle. African Liberation Day, and they try to make it African African Day, and make it with performances, uh, performances, clothing, and food, the culture. Come on, man, you know. But this, like, 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 like Brother Anthony said, this was going to continue to happen. The people need to own the industry. These these factories that create the candy, these uh, the resources, the tools. We shouldn't be have to be dying in mass trying to survive for, uh, off off a of luxury and, and try to live with how they say we should live. This is not humanistic. This is not egalitarianistic. This is not egalitarianism, humanism. That's what we should be fighting for. You're not going to get that in the capitalist system, ladies and gentlemen. You're only going to get that in the scientific socialist system, as Cuba showed you with his medical industry. Like Sister Eleanor said tonight, she's catching hell in the hospital. Uh, in American capitalist hospital, that's that's the treatment you're going to get until we fight for a scientific, scientific socialist system where you could get a, a a hospital and institutions that people care. It's, it's a people driven society, society, not profit driven. When you got chocolate factories, and, and and I'm at my four minutes, and I'm about to I'm about to conclude. But when you in the capitalist society, you're going to have these industries being controlled by a small group of people which is a capitalist, the capitalist class. The rest of us, the working class people, we're going to suffer and we're dying and struggling on a day-to-day basis to, to survive. We're going to continue to do, to do that until we understand and become political educated, political organized, and political organize our youth and educate our youth that the only way out of this damn thing, this system, 
it's, it's scientific socialism, a humanistic system. Not from the, they, they tell, some people say it's, from, it's Europeanistic, European, man, look, man, we was doing this in traditional Africa, not to the full point with the industrialization of it, but we had uh, common uh, communalism. But I, I conclude. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Maurice. Panelists, as you read the history of something and look at the time period, where that particular history was made or created. In terms of Mother Day, I'd like to have each one of y'all perspective on this question. The creation of this Mother Day is for your understanding of its creation and when it existed originally, had in mind of African mothers, and if not, why? Because if you have a concern of mothers, how do you have a concern of some mothers and not other mothers? Your response, Brother Haki. Well, I think some some historical analysis, I think, might be uh, at play here. Uh, I think one of the things, we talk about 1912, uh, the level of oppression against African people was tremendous. In that regard, African humanity wasn't regarded, wasn't regarded highly. And so in that context, when she made the concept, I, if I were to speculate, I would say that she probably wasn't thinking about African women because African women wasn't perceived as important to society. So I think in that context, she was talking about poor white women, specifically poor white women coming from Europe. So, uh, so I think uh, you know, to, to to a large extent, you know, it, it, it's uh, is the 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 whole concept of Mother Day at that point I think was discriminatory. I think as it evolved, I think in after humanity was was recognized. I think at that point it became relevant to to women irrespective of skin color. But that's my view, and I close with that. Brother Anthony, yes. Uh, I think uh, I think you know I think uh, uh, m- m- mothers that that the, they um, you know is uh, you know was positive they uh, uh, a positive thing to commemorate uh, motherhood and to celebrate you know the roles that mo- mothers play in society. However, um, you know under uh, 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 under capitalism. It becomes commercial and loses it, and and loses its original value, unfortunately. However, I think I think the positive, uh, you know, is the to celebrate ro- the role that mothers play in society, and uh, I think it's a positive, and I think it's unfortunate. That under capitalism it becomes, uh, you know, uh, it loses its its uh, positive essence in the place of capitalism. However, I think it, it it can be a positive day of commemorating and celebrating motherhood and the role the role the positive role that women play in society. However. Uh, under capitalism, it loses its uh, positive essence and uh, becomes, a, a, you know, a money-making tool, as all holidays do under capitalism. However, if we recognize the value of motherhood and recognize that and celebrate that, Thank you, Brother Anthony. Brother Moses. 
when they created this concept of motherhood, do you think they had African mothers in in that picture in that, as part of that design? No, I don't. I don't think that was in the play, uh, especially that period in history. Uh, uh, but you know, we we uh, we support the liberation of people uh, against capital and uh, and the progress that's being made uh, when women got the vote, uh, even though black women didn't get the vote. It was still progress being made. Uh, we support Mother's Day. Uh, uh, and we we you know struggle for all people to have equal rights, and uh, you know like I said it was a noble cause, uh, and it just has to be expanded, and more consciousness uh, uh, produce uh, produce in the struggle uh, for for liberation and equality. Thank you. Your response is all in all. My perspective on Mother's Day. The question was, when you look at the history and the creation of Mother's Day, Sister Eleanor, do you think during that time they had African mothers in mind with this so-called celebration? Certainly not. Um, When you see the name Woodrow Wilson, signed the bill officially establishing the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day, you know, they certainly weren't thinking of African women, Native Americans, or any other women, and probably only uh, in the end, a certain class of white women. And uh, this was during a period when his second wife, Edith, was busy this displacing Africans in the District of Columbia. And uh, later, Eleanor Roosevelt was busy trying to divide the coal miners in West Virginia uh, that wore their red handkerchiefs to identify themselves as uh, revolutionaries trying to organize by offering the white housing while leaving uh, the Africans in tents. So, no, uh, this, this, the, the, and African women at that time, um, called Negro women during those days, were frequently mammies. They were housekeepers. They were uh, nannies. They were all of that in one. And working class people, not only people in mansions, but three-bedroom homes had these women working and caring for their children. And I don't think there was any acknowledgement of their humanity, their labor, or uh, them in any way. But let me wrap up my four minutes. The answer is no. But however, it was phenomenal that it even looked at women as a group. And I think that her intent and Jarvis's intent was to acknowledge poor working women. Because at that time, women were working in factories. So were children that were being locked 
and there were fires and uh, in the north, up in New York, I believe, and, and, and so it was a very hard time for women as laborers, and we still hadn't gotten to the eight-hour day or the or the two-day weekend and that kind of thing. So it was uh, quite an important effort on Ann Jarvis's part. But when she saw it was being taken over by the bourgeoisie and commercialized, and as the article said, just between 2012 and 2013, the money spent on Mother's Day went up 11%. So it's something that, as the um, other analysts and Brother Marie said, that is just greatly commercialized and being profited on. And when I think of the cocoa, it's outrageous. And uh, I'm going to let it go with that. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Maurice, your response. Well, it's quite simple. Um, and I'm going off uh, historical resources of of this lady Anna Anna Jarvis. Okay, she get a she get an A plus for being for being being uh, clear from the economic uh, perspective about about this humanistic holiday being uh, you know explored or taken advantage by commercialization. I get she get cool points for that, as my generation would say. Cool, she get cool little cool points for that. But she's kind of short. I'm gonna have to say she's 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 failed around the racial question because she, from what I understand and what I read about this lady, you know, she was in cahoots with Ku Klux Klansmen. You know, so drop that 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 right there. That 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 denied her access denied, man. So and and not only that, you know, a Klansman, J. Thomas Heflin, a congressman, he was the one that 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 took liking of the of this of what she was doing of this program or 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 celebration holiday whatever you want to frame it um because he had programs they had mother's day clubs around this time she was doing he took liking of this oh all these white women organizing and he took it to woodrow wilson so again brother no i'm 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 gonna be clear like no she she had no she wasn't in support of no no sisters original mother uh, uh, of human humanization, and not just not just said in a in a um in a in a in a, in a, in a in a you know in a in a uh, divisive way or putting you know, but I'm just saying like Lucy, as we call her, <laughs> as they call her Lucy, the first female being human being was found on a continent. So I ha- I have to I have to say access denied. No, she wasn't. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Maurice. Panelists, when we understand the system, the capitalist system, when we understand the system, it's, it's methodology or expanding its power base into imperialism, being able to dominate, influence, and control people and resources outside of its border. Do y'all ever believe that Mother Day will really be a day or evolve to a day that will be respected? Will be treated as, as 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 something special because mothers are based upon the continued resistance and functioning of capitalism and imperialism. Can that truly be a true Mother Day? In its essence, of showing the value and appreciation of mothers. 
as long as the system stays intact. Brother Hackey? Brother, I think, Brother Africa, I think it's a question of form. I think the, 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 the respect and love of women uh, manifests itself in terms of, you know, um, communal structures. So in that regard, women will all be highly regarded in certain in certain in certain um, certain um, societies. The problem is that when you talk about the context of Western society, when you talk about the overwhelming power of men, where power is actually invested in men, in the course of you talk about women, they you know women recognition women on a real level uh, certainly probably is improbable, uh, because the bottom line is that if the, if the power is invested in men then to give that power to women means that men don't have it. And so, therefore, they're going to guard that power, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, reverse seriously. Uh, so I think in that regard, you know, so, so when we talk about, you know, the, in recognizing women's day, I think it already exists, you know, on a communal level. In that regard, you know, uh, women will always be highly venerated, highly respected. And so I think that in terms of formally, you know, uh, formally introducing a day to say, you know, to talk about Women's Day, I think it's really esoteric. I, I really think it's not really important because the bottom line is that as long as you got a society which says that the, what women do, how they do, and their respect for these women uh, is key in terms of the longevity and, and viability of that society, as long as you got such a social system in place, then that all does matter. You don't need a day saying that, you know, women are venerated, women are respected and loved. You don't need a particular date. That's often maybe reserved for the West, given the fact if you're going to talk about the evolution in terms of respecting women, then first and foremost, I think you start with these 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 symbolic, you know, gestures in terms of you know the importance and the love and respect for women. Maybe we're involved into something in terms of communally, and where actually the respect for women is 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 is, is, is um, respected and admired. But I think again, again, it's a process, though. But I think this just in terms of generally speaking, when you talk about the world as you know, as 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 a, as a body, I don't think a, a day per se is really relevant in terms of recognizing the accomplishments and the importance in terms of the viability of society. Uh, you know, uh, without the you know without the, the visibility of women. So I think that uh, I think it's really a, a mute question. So I, I just think that you know, as long as you have this, you know, situ- I have the conditions in place. The social conditions in place with respect and honors and uh, revere women, I think that's all that matters. And um, I'll close with that. Thank you, Haki. Anthony, your perspective. In fact, there's truly what would be a woman day that would be honored and respected as it relates to women as long as you had to practice of capitalism, primitivism, and its principles and institutions. Brother Anthony, let me turn on your mic, and your mic is on now. Brother Anthony. Okay. Yes. Um. Uh, let's say I think I, I think uh, it, Mother's Day uh, can be uh, uh, you know uh, commemorated in a positive way. I think it depends upon the values which we, we and uh, which we 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 respect women. And uh, and I think it can be uh, a it can be a positive, but it but 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 it, it it has to be made that way by the organization uh, 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 of the people. Uh, you know, it can be a positive, and I think I think it and it has been. 
And I think it depends upon, uh, you know, the values which, with which we place uh, 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 how we value uh, our women. And I think if it uh, if it's treated that way, with the respect that women women do deserve in this in society, it can be a positive. And I think uh, and I think you know uh, it, uh, in, uh, if we value our traditions correctly, that it can be a positive. Uh, 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 for women, and uh, you know, it, and if it's treated with that perspective, then it can be a positive. But uh, it has to be treated that way. It's only when we value our women as uh, as uh, you know, with respect. Back to their mother, uh, to, to the role of mothers in society, that it can be, can that it can have the positive uh, impact that it should. And uh, you know, once we move beyond the commercialism and what and what have you, then role, then the role of women can be respected. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Brother Moses, your response? In a society where women, I think we just lost Brother Moses, let's go to Brother Brother Maurice, your response. In a society where women are not valued and not seen as equal, do you really think we'll get to a state where women will have that same kind of um, appreciation? Brother Maurice. Yes, sir. The only way we're going to get there is if, if we living in a society where women is really uh, respected, not being exploited, not being uh, sexually exploited. You have women on a, a continent, women in America, African women, women um, uh, in, 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 um, in the Caribbean, all, all around the world being sexual, you know, being exploited, sexually exploited, being raped, being taken advantage of. You know, not having the rights to their own determination, or the, you know, or their self determination. Um, but until we really live in a society um, that embrace that embrace really taking care of women and women um, treating women like human beings and 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 not treating them like it's a their object or, or something, you know, in a in a, in a paternal paternal uh, uh, I can't even say that word, but a paternal society the man is better than a woman or no more than a woman and and all of this stuff um that's when that's when we really can really can see that but like uh like the previous panelist said um on on a people's level yes we we you know we we we, we definitely can 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 embrace that and and make it and make it make it true we we you know make it true and and you know make it happen but we definitely have to we have to become Organized, and we have to understand. We have to raise our children up to become um, to love their people, to understand their people, and want to fight and struggle for their people, and not to understand that not no Superman, or not no one person, not no president, not no Michael Jordan, 
not no celebrity or any of the uh, of the end not not having that individualist or opportunistic attitude that's not going to bring any type of justice or freedom or liberation to people um the organization of working class people the 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 uh, production of uh the industrial and, and you know I'm sorry the factories the tools the the industrialism being controlled by the people that's when we're gonna start to see some some true freedom and really get to see Mother's Day celebrated and Women's Day celebrated as it should be celebrated or any holiday for that matter. Thank you. Okay, parents, we have about two questions left for this particular theme tonight. Mother Day is myth and relig- um, is reality. I'd like to ask each one of y'all, what could be done to create a climate where mothers are greater respected and valued in this society? That's question one, number one. I'll go with Haki. Your response would be what, Haki? Well, I think one of the, certainly one of the things we can do in terms of elevating, you know, uh, you know, respect for women is is to you know confront brothers who or men who engage in crass, you know, uh, interaction with women. I, I, I think that as Brother Bookway alluded to, uh, this whole thing in terms of seeing women, you know, unidimensional or uh, unidimensionally, or seeing them as somehow as just simply sex objects, that simply has to change. And, uh, and we have to begin to embrace the, the, the you know, totality, the entirety, you know, of her, of her existence in terms of what she brings to what she brings to this world. And so we can do a better job in terms of, you know, instructing our brothers, you know, uh, in terms of changing that whole mind, that the caveman mindset. I think that would be very, very instrumental in terms of elevating the status of women. I think if we do that, I think everything else would actually fall into place. Thank you, Haki. Brother Anthony, your response. Uh, yes, I think I think that that uh, that, that with a permanent organization and and education, uh, you know, we can uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you know, celebrate the contributions that women made to society. Uh, and, uh, and I think, you know, uh, you know, that, uh, that, uh, that Mother's Day can, uh, be a, be, be a positive way of honoring women who play that nurturing role in society. Uh, but, uh, you know, but, uh, it, it can only come about through the organization of the people to defeat capitalist exploitation, uh, and all of its manifestations and that, uh, the role of women can be truly, uh, celebrated in society. And uh, but that can only come with the defeat of capitalism, and it can and will be defeated ultimately, but only with the organization and education of uh, women can this occur. Thank you, Brother Anthony. We'll go to Sister Eleanor. Is that 
What yes. can be done to to improve the conditions where mothers will be greater value and respected? From your perspective, what can be done for improvement? Well, right now, uh, uh, the, the, what can be done is um, educating our women and children and uh stopping the uh, sexualization of our young girls and our children. Right now, as the previous analyst said, um, women, especially African women in the United States of, of America, are highly sexualized and uh, depend on uh, Botox, and implants and uh, eyelashes and makeup, uh, which is nothing really wrong with that. But our children uh, at a very early age begin to emulate this behavior. And right now with poverty being the fourth killer in the United States, um, heart disease being number one, cancer number two, I don't remember number three, but fourth being poverty. We we have to change the the working class viewpoint and increase wages and conditions for working class people in terms of health care, housing transportation, uh, also environmental conditions. You know, so frequently um, working class people's community or their what they call LMIs, the census tract calls LMIs, low and moderate income uh, communities where uh, the land is owned uh, by these low and moderate income uh, workers is where you'll see filthy industries developing, um, whether it's uh, making dumps, uh, whether it's uh, controlled smokestacks, just polluting factories and that sort of thing. And uh, we need to see this turn around. And uh, uh, when you see something like Mother's Day spending exceeding 20, spending exceeds 20 million each year, according to the National Retail Foundation, uh, this is right now. It's nothing but a hustle for the capitalists, and uh, so many mothers must feel devalued because they aren't receiving those cards and those calls. So it, it, it's going to take each one of us to begin to remember when this holiday comes around to tell each woman you know Happy Mother's Day, to remember to focus on those kind of things, each one that you see. As I told you, I've done here today, 
and see a smile on on these women's faces and see the foundation of unity smiles represent. And to remember that Woodrow Wilson was an arch racist and um, Mary Reed Jarvis started trying to organize working class mothers in West Virginia having a mother's club to teach them how to care for their children and other things, and that was extremely noble. However, uh, she and she did try to, quote, unify West Virginia where there was a great deal of division because of the number of uh, Confederate soldiers living there among the uh, Union soldiers. And so um, we need to change our view of women, and we need to remember every time we open our mouths, no matter what, we need to be showing respect and appreciation for each and every woman we encounter. As I sit here in the hospital this evening, I'm being cared for by a woman, Miss Norma Douglas. She doesn't work at this hospital, but she's a professional caregiver and saw the absence of care Otis is even here and has contributed her time to my care and recovery, what women do. We need to begin to focus on what it is that women do and what African women do and be appreciative. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Adora. Brother Marie, still respond. Yes, and I'm gonna have to uh, have, have to depart after I make my uh, this response. Uh, my apologies. Um, the previous panelists basically hit it right on the mark. Um, you know, this society and this is a piggyback off Sister Eleanor. She made an interesting point when she was referring to women wearing eyelashes and um, wearing wigs. And, and, and fake fake items, adding fake items to their body to try to make themselves feel higher than what they already are. Um, and this is all it is, 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 is um, promoted, if you will, by propaganda that is, that is controlled and owned by capitalist entities. And this is the thing that they created, and not only this, the makeup, and the fingernail polish, um, the, the percentages of, of cancer, cancer that ran rampant, uh, specifically in the African, among African women, is, 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 is tremendous, is, you know, but um, this, is, this is where we at. Until we organize and fight and struggle for scientific socialism across the world, this is what we're going to be um, dealing with you know um and like i said on on yes on a personal level yeah we can celebrate mother mother's day and say happy mother's day to every woman we come across but that's 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 respectful and nice but we have to go further than that we have to put put it to action and um we have to we have to work hard to educate our children and youth the real understanding 
and the true history of woman history and what it is to be a mother, what it is to be a father, what it is to be a parent, and what it is to be um, a lover of the people, a really, you know, a really true humanistic loving person. Because this society we live under now, or the system we live under now, is not it's not doing that. Thank you, Brother Africa, for this for this show, for this platform, for having me on here. I'm sorry that I have to conclude, but thank you. It's been a pleasure of being a part with, with all of the panelists, Brother Haki, Brother Moses, Brother Anthony, and Sister Eleanor. Please have a wonderful night and a wonderful and great week. Feel better, Sister Eleanor. Thank you, Brother Maurice, for your contribution. We've been in touch, and you have best love to your mother and your wife and wish them happy Mother Day on behalf of Africa on the Moon. At this point in time, what we're going to do is we're going to take a station break and we'll come back. We're going to have our panelists give us their final thoughts on the theme, Mother Day is Myth and Reality. And we'll be right back. Again, this music is in is being dedicated to all the mothers of the today, it's a rare occasion to be able to see young mothers like the ones that were around when I grew up, but they live on in memory to quite a few of us, and this song is dedicated to those who cherish that memory. 
one Sunday morning Breakfast was on the table There was no time to eat She said to me Boy, hurry to Sunday school Filled with a lot of glory We learned the whole story She'll always have her dreams Despite the things This troubled world can bring
Yes, we welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. Happy Mother Day to all the mothers of the world, to the mothers of the movement, to the mothers who understood that no matter how difficult things may be, you always found a way to make us feel safe, secure, and think that we could achieve all we want to achieve. Thank you for allowing us and helping us to believe that we can be what we want to be. On that note, we'd like to close out with our final thoughts with our political panelists to end this. As we bring to an end, Mother Day is myths and reality. Now, we'll ask our panelists to speak to these mothers, the different sectors of mothers. Speak to the mothers of the movement. Speak to the mothers of Palestine. Speak to the mothers of the Congo. Speak to the mothers of Cuba. Speak to the mothers of Hades and Venezuela. Speak to the mothers in Iraq. Speak to all those mothers who are facing difficulties because you have a few men and women who want to dominate them and tell them they don't have the right to set the termination. Speak to the political mothers. There's a host of segments of mothers on this day, panelists, where you say some words of encouragement and end your presentation what in memory of your mother, what were two or three things you remember the most and you appreciate about your mother? We'll start off with you, Sister Eleanor. The mic is yours. My mother was Erlina Y. Carter, born in the District of Columbia on August 3rd, 1929. She attended Howard University and was a human rights activist. Her and a group of women in the District of Columbia organized to create special ed school. My neighbor, Ms. Mary Silas, became the principal of the first special ed school in the district, public school, that is, which was Sharp Health. Um, I'd like to speak to, on the mothers of Afghanistan right now, where there is a, a, a nearly famine condition and they're watching their children starve, to the mothers of Palestine, where since 2023, over a thousand Palestinians have died, the Zionists should perhaps relocate to uh, arid space in the United States because uh, Zionism and this apartheid and this murderous behavior is out of hand and the illegal settlements uh, are destroying homes and uh, olive vineyards and uh, creating world havoc to the women of Yemen. And I'd like to speak to the mothers of Ghana tonight, where China has now gold, mining for gold in China. And the Ghanaians are the people mining for gold, and it's a dangerous job as you're exposed to mercury and all kinds of dangerous chemicals. And such a rich country, Ghana, they have, they're listed on the exchange. 
um, with because of their goal. And somehow they have another sovereign country. They're mining the gold with their poor. And who are the poor? We should always remember women and children. So those children are mining gold in their motherland, Ghana, and suffering in adject poverty. And I'd like to also remember the women and children of Iraq, the millions that died as a result of George W. Bush urban war, looking for weapons of mass destruction, and the people of Cuba, and the people of Venezuela, Colombia, the people of Nicaragua, to continue to stand up and how proud we are, President Marquez, an environmentalist, an African in Colombia, the vice president of Colombia, and to look at how Cuba maintains its people and its family and its health care system and continues to offer free medical school to Africans. And you can see the need for African-American children to be raised and directed to go to school because the Civil Rights Movement did not mention us by name. It simply called us minorities. And suddenly this nation was flooded with a whole new group of minorities and the descendants of the slaves did not receive the benefit of the movement. So I stand in unity unity with the sisters all over the United States who are struggling to work, house, and feed their children. And all over Africa, including the Congo, Tanzania, and the women of Yemen. Thank Thank you, Salvador, for your contribution to today's program. Again, happy Mother's Day to you, and let's keep on working together to create a better humanity for man and woman. Next, we'll make our transition to Brother Haki. Brother Haki, the mic is yours. Yeah, I, you know, my mother transitioned uh, many, many years ago, uh, but one of the things you know, I learned from her was uh, humility and respect for humanity. Uh, one of the things she always told me was, listen, Never talk, speak badly about anyone. And I found that extraordinary. You know, I never really understood it as a kid. Only when I became older did I began to understand the significance in terms of, you know, uh, controlling your, your emotions and in terms of how you feel about people. Because often you're in situations where people antagonize or people are disrespectful and you just want to explode. And so one of the things I try to do is try to remember her, you know, you know, you know, always be, you know, always be, you know, always maintain a certain amount of humility and, and, and don't let people get you to the point where you, you know, where you, where you lose it. And, uh, you know, sometimes I, I'm successful in terms of doing that. Other times I'm not, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm, you know, I do remember the, the example that she set in terms of her own practice, in terms of exhibiting that which she preached. Uh, you know, but having said that, I think it's also important that when we look around the world and we see women in terms of against 
up against atrocious conditions. And in mere facts, they persist. Uh, speaks violence in terms of the strength and the vitality of women. Uh, one of the things very, very clear, in order for societies to remain any type of continuity, the women must be the, the women must be the, the women must be strong. Uh, the women must be together. The, the women, in fact, must hold it together. And that does sound so much sexist because you stop and think about it. Well, in fact, particularly in the West, when you got men with all their money, access to all their money, with, with all their status, then you think that it would be they who hold society together. Uh, but the reality is that when you look in terms of, in the context of the Western society, in terms of patriarchy, uh, despite the status and the money that they have, there's some of the most chaotic, destructive uh, uh, um, societies on the planet. And largely because, in fact, it constrains its women in terms of ability, in terms of allowing women to do what women do in terms of the betterment of society. Uh, one of the things when we talk about in terms of the ability to have, to have children, they are connection to life. They understand firsthand what life is all about. That's something men, we as men can never understand. We, 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 can, we can empathize, but we really can't understand in terms of, you know, all that it entails in terms of, you know, life. Uh, they bring life into it. Women bring life into this world, and so therefore they have a more intrinsic understanding in terms of what constitutes life. So to all the women throughout the world, uh, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, we love you, and we love them simply because what they bring to society, what they bring to creation, uh, what they bring to uh, life generally. And so without women, life would be unbearable. And of course, you know, uh, we we sing all the praises of women. And I close with that. Thank you, Hattie. And we now. Turn the mic over to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony. Can you hear us, Brother Anthony? I say, Brother Anthony, how you down? I think we have lost Brother Anthony on their note. What we would do at this particular time, we'd like to thank everybody for allowing us to come to their homes this evening. As we brought you the theme, Mother's Day is myth and reality. We thought we'd just highlight this day in honor of mothers because of all the beautiful things you have heard about them in terms of their, them being special and how they have a kind of undying love for their children that they are worthy. They are worthy because they help shape and mold our present-day reality. They are worthy because without them, there will be no us. So we want you to just take a look at this question of Mother Day. And if we truly want it to be a Mother Day, find ways how we can create a better conditions where mothers can be honored properly valued properly, respected properly, and allow them to be mothers. And if you are fighting for conditions that can make that a reality, then truly you are showing the world that you truly do value and love your mother. Until next time, we'd like to thank you again for allowing us to come to your home. And we'd also like to give a little special shout-out to the AAPRPGC, the All African People of the Party, and we'd like to ask you to check out their website at www.a-aprp.gc.org. They have some beautiful activities coming up, 
during this month that will benefit not only mothers, but all the best people. So periodically go and check the website out. And we'd like to thank them for their assistance with this program, particularly particular in terms of some of the music selection. Um, we were influenced by the nature of the work that they are doing. And, um, you know, we'd like to thank them for their assistance. And like always, this is Africa on the Move. If you'd like to join us and support us, you can do that by emailing us at africaonthemove2 at gmail.com. Or you just outright just want to send us a gift. A donation. You can do that as well. You can do that by selling it to African Awareness Association to at gmail.com or you can cash up it at dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b. With your financial contribution, it will only allow us to do our work more efficiently and more broadly, and we need your support. So until next time, we salute the mothers of the world, and we'll play some music in terms of showing our honor and our respect to all the mothers. This is Brother Africa, and this has been Africa on the Move. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer. To give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth, take a stand for justice. That's what we've got to do, because Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race, and creed we need a new beginning let us plant the seed plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that palestine, palestine. 
needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love.
fellas, so it's funny. They drinking that wine, remember the schoolyard days? Yeah. We had to take you home, man. You were tired of it, man. Oh, man, I'm ready to say, Lord, have mercy. Hey, but listen. Yeah. Remember uh, when we used to run around there? Still a hubcap off the car. What you talking about? Battery? Bye. 
them Is their blood against my people Paris Gabi for us Nobody can be against us If that is for my people I don't know who can fight Who can fight to be my enemy My Africa want to be free
quite illegal You're in a Milan Dig out me gold In a Milan Digging out me pearl In a Milan Dig out me diamond We are going fight, 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 fight Dance apart Thank you. 